are on air at Amper Racing Radio for the Darlington, Nashville, NASCAR Race Review, and Hot Topics sound off. Uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, conversation here tonight about racing from over the weekend. We're going to start with some short track news. Uh, then we'll get into our review of the ARCA East race at Nashville Fairground Speedway. At 9 o'clock, we'll talk about the Truck Series race at Darlington Raceway and then the Xfinity Series race at Darlington Raceway. 9.30 is our guest, Dylan Zampa. He races the Pro Late Model Series in the SRL, SRL Spears Southwest Tour Series. And uh, after that interview, we will do our NASCAR Cup Series review of their race at Darlington Raceway. Uh, 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we'll have a lot to discuss with our fan for racing crew. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, Sal Sadala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Hi, Sharon. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, I know uh, there is uh, uh, a lot of things going on in the short track racing world. One of the big things here is Illinois is having their inaugural speed weeks, uh, and there's four different tracks over the weekend here in Illinois uh, that will feature racing uh, beginning on May 11th at the Spoon River Speedway in Banner, Illinois. Uh, then they're going to go to Lincoln Speedway in Lincoln, Illinois on May 12th. May 13th, that's Farmer City Raceway. Uh, and on May 14th, there'll be a Fairbury, Illinois Speedway, and uh, uh, it, it's just going to be huge. There's a lot of racing stars that are going to be there. Overall, over all four races, there's over $100,000 on the line so, for winning. So, uh, really big event here in Illinois. Yeah, they are going to be some big events. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of the, well, excuse me, some of the short track drivers, you know, are looking forward to, you know, whichever ones you know, they can make it to. Yes, indeed. But that's not the only racing that's going on. Uh, if you want to know more about the, the Illinois Speed Week, there is news about that over on Flow Racing. Uh, but Racing America always shows a lot of uh, great events that are coming up as well. Okay, that's good. That's good uh, news for all you uh, short track fans out there that are looking for, uh, you know, someplace to not only watch the racing, but also, you know, to check the uh, schedules. Uh, and Dylan Zampa, he's, he's a uh, great short track racer as well. He races the Pro Late Models. Uh, in the SRL Spears Series. Uh, does he have any races that are coming up, Sal? Yeah, he has a, I know on the 21st, they have a, they have a race out here at Oradale. And then um, oh, okay. I'm not sure what else he has, in, what else he has in between that. He might have a race over at, um, at, uh, uh, at Madera. I'm not sure. That's something we'd have to ask him. Okay. Uh, also, over at um, Racing America, they mentioned that Ryan Newman is entering the Little 500 
at Anderson Speedway in Indiana. So uh, it's uh, first his first sprint car race in decades. So Ryan Newman uh, is hitting uh, the short tracks uh, uh, for the Lucas Oil Little 500. So that's going to be uh, fun for fans here in the Midwest. Oh, yeah, it definitely is to see Ryan Newman get back in a, you know, get back to his racing roots and, um, you know, come out and, and uh, support the uh, support the series. Absolutely. Uh, I think we might have talked about this on Thursday, but I'll mention it again here. Ken Schrader is joining the SRX racing at I-55 Raceway. So uh, SRX continues to bring in uh, a lot of big names into the sport. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're doing a really good job with um, with everything you know that's going on with that series. You know, uh, they just had the fan vote uh, this past week, and um, Cole uh, Cole Williams ended up putting the fan vote over uh, Brittany Zamora. Because um, of Brittany Zamora, um, Bubba Pollard, and um, and uh, Stephen Nassi. Wow, that's a big win for Cole Moore. Cole, Cole Williams. Oh, Cole Williams. I'm sorry, I thought you said Cole yeah, Moore. Yeah, yeah. It's for, okay. It's for Cole Williams. Yeah, he races, races out there in the Midwest, and there's a lot of stuff back out there in the back east. Oh, okay, that's pretty awesome. Uh, some of the other drivers in SRX are Paul Tracy, Ryan Hunter Ray, Bobby Labonte, Ryan Newman. Marco Andretti, Michael Waltrip, Greg Biffle, and of course Tony Stewart. And then a lot of lot of other things going on this year is when drivers win uh, a race at one of the tracks that are on the schedule, that gives them an entry into the race when it comes from when the SRX visits that track later on in the season. So that's been cool to see this year as well. Yeah, it is. It gives all the local drivers, you know, chance, you know, to race in a, you know, in a series against, you know, some of, you know, some of the veteran pros from, from the different, um, from the different series, you know, all the way from NASCAR to, you know, to uh, IndyCar. Now on June 18th, they're going to kick up the season at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, and then they go to South Boston Speedway on the 25th of June, Stafford Speedway on July 2nd, Nashville Fairground Speedway, uh, where the Arca East race this past weekend on July 9th, I-55 Raceway in Peebley, Missouri on uh, July 16th, and they'll conclude their season at Sharon Speedway uh, out in Ohio on July 23rd. So uh, it's just six races, but uh, fans are looking forward to this. Uh, they started last year. This is their second season, and already there's a lot of buzz around SRX racing this year. Oh, yeah. It's because of the, first of all, because of the drivers involved. And then, of course, you know, when you, know, when you get to, uh, you know, throwing some, you know, you know, uh, on the local driver, you know, that, you know, that even adds more to the, to the um, excitement. It does. In fact, uh, Chase Elliott is going to compete uh, with the SRX at Sharon Speedway, the season finale. So uh, one of NASCAR's most popular drivers <laughs> is getting involved in the SRX. 
Yeah, T- Tony's done a real good job. You know, it's who he, you know who he's had chosen. You know, to, uh, to compete in the series. You know, and to you know, so it's going to be exciting to see. You know, to see all that come to <clears throat> come to uh, you know when it comes to attract near you. Exactly. Uh, now, William Byron also claimed a Nashville guitar this weekend. Uh, he's setting his sights on on a derby when he's been racing a lot of the super late models uh, this year already. And uh, this weekend he raced at the Nashville Fairgrounds and picked up uh, his own guitar. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, he, um, <clears throat> he's got to think back to uh, what Joey did to him. He did the same thing to Stephen Nassie to win that race at Nashville. So um, I'm sure he forgot about it, but. You know, when, you know, Well, I don't said, know. God, Godfather moved, he said it was two separate, entirely different incidents. I didn't see it. Did you see it, Sal? I, yes, I see that. That's what I'm saying. It was the same, it was the same move. The same move that he did to, the same move that Joy did to him, he did to Nassie. He did the whole oh, bump wow. and run on Nassie to win the race, yeah. And, and he was afraid because of him and Nassie, they had a, they had an incident at this 2016 Snowball Derby where um, William Byron was just a brand new, you know, well, everybody knows he didn't, that By- William Byron didn't start racing, you know, when he was a kid. He didn't start till he was a teenager. So one of the biggest races he raced at was the Snowball Derby, and he, he took Nassie out and got underneath them and couldn't keep control of the car and ended up crashing Nassie, and Nassie was pretty upset. He does He hasn't talked to him since, and then... And then all of a sudden this incident comes up, you know, and, uh, you know, he gave NASA the old bump and bump and run. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the Derby comes around in December because William Byron, he's already, um, he already made his commitment that he's going to race the Derby. And um, he's going to have a, he'll have a, uh, uh, he'll have a a bullseye on his back. Well, it's going to be interesting. I don't know if you read the article uh, that they posted here, um, but it's, it's really interesting. Uh, and I'd encourage people to, to listen or to, to check out the uh, news over at uh, Racing America uh, for other activities that have taken place in the short track racing world. Uh, they also talk about the race at... Uh, at Darlington, so, and some takeaways uh, there. So, um, it's really uh, kind of interesting to see NASCAR being uh, uh, featured on the uh, Racing America site, along with all the short track racing that's uh, taking place. Yeah, but you got to remember, it's Racing America is run by Matt Weaver now, and, and Matt's yeah, always been a short track person. Yeah, but Matt, Matt still has his heart with the with the NASCAR, you know, and um, you know that's why you know he you know he still throws that stuff. And I talk to him every once in a while about that. And like he says, he goes, he goes, I still have to dip it to the, I still got to keep the tabs on the NASCAR, you know, along with all the short track stuff. So hopefully, I'm, I was telling him about getting him on the show one of these days, you know, so we could talk to him, you know, a little bit a little bit more about how he how he got in with Race in America and, and how he got a start and stuff like that. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, uh, I've met Matt Weaver in, uh, at the racetrack, so, yeah, that would be really cool to have him on the show. Um, 
All right. Uh, we're, we've got a few more minutes here. Are there any other races that you want to make sure we mention uh, before we move on? Yeah, we got uh, – Irondale is having their um, – we're having our uh, our race this Saturday. It's just going to be our, our regular um, uh, Pro Late Models, um, Legends, um, Super Stocks, um, Irondale uh, uh, Race Trucks, and uh, – uh, spec late models that'll be going on this Saturday. Unfortunately, I won't I won't be there because I'll be in Disney World. So, or else I'd be there covering the race. And um, this is the first of three races that they're giving a commemorative coin to all the fans. To the first, I think, I think first twenty five hundred fans that come through the gates, <clears throat> they're going to get a, the first coin will be this Saturday. The second coin will be oh, on the 21st, cool. and the third coin will be on the 28th. Yeah, so it'll be a series of three, of three like, like chips, like they look like uh, poker chips with a picture of the speedway on it. So each each one okay. will be different. So it's, it's going to be pretty neat, you know, for the fans to collect. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh, it sounds like a good promotion. I hope they're getting the word out there and. Thank you, Sal, for bringing that up so the fans know that that's happening. And they have a chance to get one of those commemorative coins. Yeah, it's going to be neat. Okay. Uh, next up, we're going to get into the race in the Arkham Menard Series East. Uh, Sammy Smith makes it three out of four uh, races that he's won so far this season. Uh, he pretty much dominated at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway uh, this weekend in the Music City 200. So he also got a guitar this weekend. Yeah, he uh, he's he's really um, you know um, shaping up you know to be a, a really good driver. You know, and uh, gosh, he flies around me. Um, you know, he's he's really. Uh, Really, really doing a lot. Okay. Well, he started second, but he had to chase down 17-year-old Jake Finch uh, in the first 44 laps of the race. Uh, Finch took the lead to start the race after earning the pole award, uh, but the pass for the lead came on the 45th lap when Smith moved Finch to Finch's inside to take the lead at the start-finish line. But once he was out front, he never really was seriously challenged. He left, he led the rest of the way to getting the checkered flag at 8.333 seconds ahead of Finch. So he said clean air made all the difference in the world. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it did. You know, and I'm sure Jake Finch gave a really good run for the money. You know, Jake's a, he's a young, he's a young um, um, up-and-coming driver. And uh, actually, he, he he was out here for the All Star Showdown. He came out here out west out here to to run the series. And um, but um, you know he's a tough guy. But uh, um, like you know, like he said, um, um, Sammy Smith just has a little bit more experience than him. Yes, he does. This is his second season racing in the ARCA East. Uh, he won the championship last year. And he's pretty much picking up where he left off last year. Uh, Jake Finch worked his way past Taylor Gray with 13 laps left to finish uh, second. That's his best finish in three East Series starts this season. 
Gray settled for third after he won at Dover last weekend for David Gillilandry. Um, Mason Mingus and Leland Honeyman round out the top five. Then it was Tanner Arms, Michael Lira, Donald Fiedke, Matt Wilson, Ryan Roulette uh, were six through ten. Uh, now, keep in mind, you can watch a replay of the Music City 200 uh, from Nashville on USA Network on Friday, May 13th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, if you're working during that time, I set the uh, DVR uh, to catch this race. So uh, your thoughts about that top ten there? Yeah, you know, the top ten, you know, you, you know, you start looking at the, um, at the, uh, you know, the drivers, um, you know, all the way down. I mean, the Grays are really having a really good season, Taylor and Tanner. You know, uh, you know, then um, Michael Lira, who's uh, – Gosh, I can't remember if we have Michael here on the show. We used to have him on the show pretty frequently. Yeah, there you go. I remember. I remember him now. Then, um, of course, you know, you you know, you look at the well, the rookie Jake Finch finishing second, and then you had one, two, three, four. Yeah, actually, had six rookies in the top ten, which is which is uh, you know, really good showing by by. by the uh, by, the rookie drivers in this in this uh, in this series. Yes, indeed, it really is. Um, but I tell you what, uh, Sammy Smith has been the cream at the top this season, um, and uh, yeah, he's had some drivers to kind of challenge him a little bit. But these guys are going to have to really work really hard. Uh, their next race uh, that's coming up is actually going to be a combination race. Uh, at Iowa Speedway in June. It's also the second segment of the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, that will take place on June 11th at Iowa Speedway, the Calypso Lemonade 150. So it's three different series, uh, one race. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of points uh, on the line for three different series in that event. Oh yeah, and, I, and I'm sure with that, with that race, you know, there's there's going to be a shakeup, you know, since they, um, you know, since since they take, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the series that they originally raced for, for the points of the mm-hmm. night, and then like you said, that then 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 it's a, uh, 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 a Suchi showdown race, so it's going to really make it, it's going to add that much more excitement to it. It really is. Um, and uh, you've got the Arkham Menard series there, too. Uh, so the Arkham Menard series, the Arkham East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown are all point-paying uh, events for that one race. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of drivers in that race as well. Okay, do you want to cover the points from this race yes. after the, after the yes. national race? Yeah, so the points as as we see it now, it's um, uh, Sammy Smith is leading the points. Uh, Taylor Gray sitting at second. He's nine points out of out of first from uh, Sammy Smith. And then we got uh, Le- uh, Leland Le- Leland Honeyman sitting in third. Mm-hmm. Fourth is Christian Rose. Fifth is Stephanie Moyer. That runs out the top five of them. From there, then we go to six is Brad Smith. Seventh is Jake Finch. Eighth is, is Donald. Gosh, I Be- still can't. Beatsky. 
Thiki. Thiki. And then, yeah. Yeah, Thiki. Yeah, and then ninth is Daniel. <laughs> Escado, and then tenth is uh, uh, Willie Mullins rounds out the top ten. Yes, indeed. Uh, only six of these drivers have raced all six races, or all four races, I should say. Uh, and I think this is kind of the midway point for them uh, of the season. So this next, uh, these next four races are going to be really big in this series. And all these drivers want to beat Sammy Smith. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they, basically that's where it's at. I mean, I mean, you're going to have to beat Sammy in order to get the, um, you know, in order, in order to get to the championship. But Taylor Gray's only. It's only nine points out, so um, you know it. It, uh, it, it can be done. It can be done. You're absolutely right. Um, now, oops, I keep trying to get to the other races. Uh, now, the Argument Art Series. Before they get to Iowa, they are going to be racing the Dutch Boy 150 at Kansas Speedway this coming weekend. So it's going to be another big race for the Argument Art Series at Kansas Speedway. That will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Uh, so uh, Jay and I will talk about that this Thursday night. Uh, on June 4th, there's a big race out in the West, Jay. Or, I'm sorry, Sal. There's a big race out in the West. Uh, the Portland 100 on June 4th at 4.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time at Portland International Raceway. Uh, that one will be live streamed on Flow Racing. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the stops on the uh, in the, the, the um, Arco and West series. It'll be a, it'll be a road course, and after that, then the, the race behind, right directly behind that one that comes up in June will be a um, will be the race in Sonoma. So they'll be racing back to back road courses. Okay, let's. Uh, we've got a few minutes here. Let's go ahead and cover the points for the Arca, our Arca Menard series, and then the Arca West as well. Okay, the points for the Arca. Oh no, we already did the Arca East. Yeah, we already did the East. Uh, we're looking yeah. to cover the main Arca series and then the West. Because this is okay, pretty the, close. But I, that's going to change, I think, over some time here. Yeah, so the points in the ARCA series is uh, um, Raja Karuth leading the points, Daniel Dyson in second, Nick Sanchez in third, Parker Chase in fourth, and Corey High rounds up the top five. And then from there, then we go down to um, Tony uh, uh, Brenninger, Gus Dean, Amber Balkin, Ryan Huff and D. Wilson round up the top the top ten in the Arca series. Right, forty three points from top to bottom, uh, and actually, uh, the person in eleventh place is tied with the person in tenth place. Uh, that's Andy Jakowiak. Um and uh, let's see, there's several drivers that have raced all three of the races so far in this series. There's four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine that I can see in the top fifteen that have raced all three races. Yeah, and then, and then if, if you go beyond that, then you got um, you have two more um, after the fifteenth spot. Mhm. 
So, again, uh, this race in Portland is going to be kind of a big event. Uh, Roger Carruth is looking pretty good uh, in the main Arkham of Art series. Now, I will say, uh, Daniel Guy, I think, has been suspended. Uh, he had an off-track incident that uh, uh, he's been charged with, and so until that's resolved, I don't think he's going to be doing any racing. So I do think that we need to that we will see that shake up a bit um, in the Arkham Menard series. Oh yeah, definitely that is because it, it's going to you know with him being out on him. It, it's it, it's a indefinite suspension, so um, mm-hmm. it's basically whatever Arca whatever Arca series decides they want to do. He was never charged with anything. But he still got the suspension for the for the um, um, infraction for the idea that he did get a, that he did get arrested. So, oh, we'll I didn't that hear that out. he hadn't been charged. The last I heard, he was he was charged. Did they drop the charges? When when he when they picked him up, they never charged him with anything. Oh, okay. That that, um, was, that was the thing that, that that got a lot of the fans upset. They said if he's not charged, then why is why is uh, NASCAR sitting them out? Okay. I thought he, he had he been was, charged. No, nah, he was detained. Oh, okay. He was he was picked up and detained, but he was never charged with any with any kind of uh, with anything, and they let him go. And and um, but when that happened, NASCAR just automatically, or ARCA automatically took the took the reins and um, suspended him indefinitely until they, until they find out more until, you know, an investigation is done. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was just crazy. Okay. Do you want to go ahead and cover the points for the West? Uh, Yeah, we're still at the, the Arca West. We're still with Jake Drew and um, Tanner Reef. Leading, leading the points, and then from there, then we go to Colmore, uh, then uh, Paul Petroselli Jr., Austin Herzog, Tatsusa is sixth, Takuma Koga seventh, Joe East is eighth, and Sebastian Arias is ninth. And uh, actually, the the top ten, oh, and, and Bridget Burgess. So the top ten have raced every. I raced all three races. Okay. So, okay, so that's uh, kind of interesting. Um, let me go back to my top ten here. So do, you went all the way down, Bridget Burgess from 10th. Yeah, this is really kind of cool because uh, all of these drivers have raced all three races. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Can see in the west. Yeah, and it's tight at the top. Well, yeah, it is tight. It's only five points. Actually, it's uh, six six points between the top three: Colmore, Tanner Rife, and uh, Jake Drew. And then from okay. there, that's Paul Petroselli Jr. with uh, that fourteen out. Wow. Okay. Now the. Uh, I sent you a link, Sal, because uh, I, I knew I had read it somewhere that he was actually arrested uh, for a felony battery charge. 
in Volusia County, Florida. Yeah, no, he was arrested, but he was never charged. Oh. I heard. Yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you can get arrested, and, and they're going to tell you. They have to tell you something when you get arrested. They have to tell you, okay, we're going to arrest you for, you know, like like for that. But, but from what I had heard, he was he was never really formally charged with the with the battery. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it says right here he was arrested on a, on a he was arrested on a fel- felony battery charge. Right. The charging affidavit. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a post here from Bob Cochran with a charging affidavit. Affidavit. Um, so, and it gives a kind of a description of what why he was arrested. So, oh yeah, they they said he was. It was kind of like. Uh, like oh, guys, we don't have to get into that. Oh no, no, oh, no! I'm not, I'm not going to say what how, what it was. I'm just going to say it's kind of like, kind of like, like uh, how you say it. They were just kind of having fun, and and he took it he took it a step too far, and um, and and the other guy went it in he was pressed booked. charges on him. They've got a booking number and a booking date and everything, Sal. I don't know where you're getting wow. that. If you. Where did you okay. read that? Well, he, uh, I'm not going to go back and look for it, but I, I, I just read that oh, he, wasn't, okay. he wasn't really form. It was a formally charged, and there were some people in the racing industry that were saying that, that you know, unless he was actually, you know, formally charged, it doesn't matter either way. He's suspended. He's definitely suspended, so he's out of racing right yeah. now. So. Okay. Well, I shouldn't seen the source uh, of the information because everything I've read, uh, indicates that there was an arrest. So, um, anyway, um, I just want to make sure that we're giving correct information here. Sal uh, call dropped for whatever reason, so we'll wait for him to call back in. Uh, we're at the top of the hour, so we will get into now. We're going to leave the ARCA Racing uh, venue and go to the um, truck series race that took place at uh, Darlington Raceway this weekend. I'll go ahead and get that started, and I think Sal will be back. He is back already. I I think you put me on timeout for a minute. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't. I came back, and you were gone. And I was like, oh, no. I know. I know. I don't, I don't know. My phone went beep beep. I said, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "Sharon, push the timeout button." I said, "Dude, you're on timeout for no. a couple minutes here." So I just said, "Oh no, honestly, it. I'll just run, I'll just run with it." <laughs> nope, honestly, I think it was just a drop. Okay, we're moving yeah. on to the truck series race at Darlington. John Hunter Nemechek at the age of 24 in the number four Mobile One Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and with crew chief Eric Phillips. One, uh, he got his uh, 12th victory in 131 Camping World Truck Series races. It was his first victory and fourth top five finish this year. I know he said he was really happy to finally get that breakthrough win. Uh, his first victory 
and third top 10 finish in three races at Darlington. Carson Hoysabar posted his second top 10 finish in three races at Darlington and his fourth top 10 finish this season. Grant Dinfinger finished third, posting his fourth top 10 finish in four races at Darlington Raceway. And Dean Thompson, who finished 15th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, now, give me a couple minutes here, and I'll, I'll give the rest of the lineup here uh, for the race results. Uh, finishing in fourth place was Ty Majeski. Then it was Parker Kligerman rounding out the top ten, followed by Ryan Priest, Zane Smith, Tyler Ankrum, Todd Bodine, who is back behind the wheel, uh, Camping World Truck Series uh, vehicle, and then Matt Benedetto finishing in 10th place. Uh, now, just to kind of finish out uh, uh, how this race uh, finished up, uh, he was the fastest the fastest truck, fastest truck actually won in Friday's Dead on Tools 200 at Darlington, but not without much ado between the green flag and the checker. Uh, the pole winner, John Hunter Nemechek, fought through 10 cautions, an extra pit stop to tighten the loose wheel, and an overtime restart to post his first truck series victory of the season, holding off a hard uh, luck Carson Hosevar by .552 seconds in the two-lap shootout at the finish. Uh, so that was uh, really cool to see. Matt, Ka- Matt Crafton initially finished fifth, but he was disqualified for his truck being too low in the post-race inspection. Stage one was run by Parker Kligerman. Stage two was won by Carson Hosevar. There were 16 lead changes among nine drivers and 10 cautions for 54 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 91.625 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the race results there, Sam? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good race between, uh, you know, coming to the end, you know, with Carson Hosovar and John Hunter Nemechek. Um, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of action a lot of wrecks and um you know just a lot of uh a lot of upset drivers basically um but you know what it was that's uh, not unusual for thought, darlington yeah and i thought for a while ross chastain was going to catch a win in the truck series and then you know he just he just he had his issues out there and, and uh but i mean john hunter Nemechek ended up you know with you know being the the uh the cream of the crop, you know, and got that win yeah. when he needed it, and uh, you know, it's been a it's been a while since he's won. You know, he was real happy with the win, and uh, you know, it's good to see him, you know, um, up there, you know, with the win. Yeah, our driver from Japan, Akinori Ogata, had an engine problem, so he didn't finish as well as he would have liked. Um, but there were several people caught up in the accidents, including Haley Deegan. Uh, then it was Blaine Perkins, Kate Fogelman, Chris Wright, Tanner Gray, Chase Purdy. Uh, all of those drivers were caught up in accidents, uh, making it not such a good night for them in the truck series race. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. You know, <laughs> um, a lot of people are blaming the Onion. You know, for a couple. You know, I guess one of the wrecks. You know, they try to blame it on Bodine. 
But, um, you know, he's too old. He shouldn't be out there. But you know what? Uh, he's he's at, he's at, he's out to – he wants to try and get that – was it the – 800 start. Yeah, it's 800, 800 start, you know. So, um, you know, he picked up uh, – it's kind of neat that a Cappy World, you know, picked him up, you know, and, you know, gave him the opportunity, you know, to, you know, to get that. I know he's only racing a, a, a few races, you know, to – you know, to to get up there, but um, you know, hats off to his ninth place finish. You know, top ten finish out there. Um, yes, indeed. You know, Carson you know, Holtzbar. I still that. say he's knocking on the door of getting a victory here soon. Yeah, he is. I mean, I just there's an incident that happened with him and Derek Thorne a year and a half ago. You know, still. Mm. Rubs me wrong, so you know that's why I'm I'm not really a big fan of his, you know, or or the way he races because when he's in a super late, he races the same way. He's he's a he's a missile out there, torpedo. Oh, okay. Per se, but I mean he he does he races hard here in the truck series, but like you said, you know, as a driver, you know, yeah, he is knocking on the door. I mean he's, you know. He's had a few second place finishes, you know, so I mean he's just right there. He just needs the He's a, he needs a, a break, you know, a lucky break, you know, to get that right. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's go ahead and cover the points reports here. Okay, the points on the trucks are at the stands. We got Ben Rhodes is still leading the points. Um Second is uh, John Hunter Nemechek. Third is Chandler Smith. Fourth is Stuart Friesen. And Dane Smith uh, round out the top five. And then from there in sixth, we got Carson Hosevar. Seventh is Ty Majeski. Eighth is Kristen Eckes. Ninth is Grant Enfinger. And tenth is uh, Tanner Gray. On the bubble is Parker Klingerman, only a mere um, four points. No, he's more than that. He's uh, 17 points away from from uh, Tanner Gray. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then it gets kind of tight after that with Tyler Ingram, Matt Kraft, and Derek Krause. They're only four, three, and five points away from each other. So uh, uh, we'll have to see what happens with these guys. Uh, as the season continues, they've got seven races in, and uh, Zane Smith has the most playoff points, followed by Ben Rhodes. With uh, Zane Smith has 13, Ben Rhodes has 10. So uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. You got uh, Zane Smith is the only driver with two wins this season. Yeah, exactly. And then you got Ben Rhodes, John Hunter Nemechek, and Chandler Smith each have one apiece. And then yes, uh, the other win is um, Corey Heim has this has the other win. It's cra- it's weird to see um, when you look at uh, um, Kyle Busch, you know, and doesn't have a win this year. You know, the Truck Series. Well, he's not. Oh yeah, he doesn't have a win yet. Uh, Corey Heim, just to kind of uh, kind of clarify that. Uh, Corey Heim has only raced three of the seven races, uh, although he has that win. 
I don't think, because he's racing part-time, I don't think he's going to be eligible for the playoffs. Right now he's ranked 29th. They have to be in the top 20, I believe, to be playoff eligible. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna, not even sure if they're – yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure if, if they're – if, uh, you know, if if – if they might wait until, you know, they're just giving him a few starts, see how he feels, you know, with the truck. And then probably next year he might come off full bore, you know, to try and get, you know, rookie of the year and, uh, and you mm-hmm. know, everything else that goes along with it. But um, he's a really nice kid. Um, met him at the Snowball Derby this past year. He was pitted two cars over from Derek and a uh, really, really super nice kid. Yeah, he's he's been on the show a couple of times, um, and uh, who knows, we might be able to get him back again. But um, yeah, this is really shaping up to be an interesting uh, year for the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, ben Rhodes uh, appears to be on track uh, for another uh, championship this year, if not the the yeah, playoff championship. He's definitely on track for the regular season championship. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's been consistent. You know, he's been up there and um, you know, just doing what he has to do. You know, to make you know to make things happen for his season. You know, and that's what you need to do. You need to be you need, you need some kind of consistency in there. Yes, indeed. So we'll have to see what happens. Time will tell. Okay. Um, uh, we are uh, not quite at uh, our cutoff point, but I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series uh, because they raced this weekend also at Darlington Raceway. Uh, and this is one of those things where uh, Darlington Raceway, <laughs> um, a lot of people go on home unhappy and only a few people go home happy after this race. Uh, so you never know. Uh, what can happen. But uh, Justin Algauer was the winner at age 35 in the number seven Hellman Hellman Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. His crew chief was Jason Burnett. He got a 17th victory in 383 Xfinity Series starts. His first victory in six top ten finish this year and his second victory and tenth top ten finish in 14 races at Darlington. Noah Gregson finished second. Uh, that's his sixth top ten finish in six races at Darlington and his eighth top ten finish this season. Riley Erbst in third posted his second top ten finish in five races at Darlington Raceway. Austin Hill was tenth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, I want to... Uh, kind of go over some of the uh, other things that happened in this race. The numbers tell the story for Justin Algauer's impressive victory uh, in the Mahendra Roxor 200 at Jonathan Raceway. Despite starting the race at the rear for changing a battery during pace laps, Justin Algauer quickly got to the front to win Saturday's race at Jonathan Raceway. It was his first win in 364 days while he led a race-high 76 laps. Junior Motorsports has three consecutive wins by different drivers. 
winning both stages, Noah Gregson finished runner-up. Uh, it was his series-high eight top-five finish of the season. Uh, as I mentioned, John uh, Riley Irks finished in third. It was John Hunter Lumichek finishing fourth, and Sam Mayer rounding out the top five. Uh, then rounding out the top ten were Landon Castle, Brandon Jones, A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Hill, and Daniel Hemrick. There were 13 lead changes among six drivers and eight cautions. For 33 yellow flag laps, the average speed of the race was 107.589 miles per hour. Uh, the the uh, gap uh, from first to second uh, was 0.259 seconds, so it was really, really close. Your thoughts about the top ten here, Sal? Yeah, it was a it was a really good race. It was neat to see when they when they interviewed um, Sam Mayer after the race. He was just all smiles. He was all excited, you know, you know, getting that top five finish, you know, um, you know. So it was it was you know it's always neat you know to see you know when the younger drivers like that you know and they really appreciate you know it's not so much the win you know it's it's just getting that you know that finish where he finished. Um, exactly. Justin Algar though he was really. He was really, um, really on his game, and, uh, you know, to hold off to hold off Noah, you know, for the you know for the win, you know, was neat. You know, I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, they kind of went by each other, you know, kind of like do a little high five. But now, what about Riley Herbst in that third place finish? Gosh, he really fought for yeah, that. Yeah, that was really awesome. You know, really, really worked hard for that, um, for that finish there. He really has. Um, a couple of drivers were caught up in the accident, so, which is unusual that it was only two. Uh, Joe Graff Jr., who was supposed to be on the show tonight, uh, he had a family emergency, so we had to reschedule him. But um, uh, look for him to be back on the show. And Myatt Snyder also was caught up in an accident. Sheldon Creed had an engine problem, uh, so he didn't have a good day at Darlington this weekend. No, he didn't. It was, uh, gosh, he's just struggling so much with these, with this series, um, you know, with the cars and, you know, just, I mean, he, it's not, we're not seeing the, the usual, um, Sheldon Creed that, you know, we're used to seeing, in the, in, you know, in the truck series. Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he does as the season progresses. Um, and, uh, you know, seems to be certain tracks that he struggles with more than others. Uh, he'll have some good ones and then uh, some not so good ones. So it's been a bit of a mixed bag for uh, Sheldon Creed this year for sure. Um, yes, but uh, it's good to see Landon Castle doing as well as he's doing in the Xfinity series. Oh, yeah, he's doing really well. I mean, you know, he's uh, getting some good finishes, you know what, and um, – you know, he's, he's uh, doing what he has to do, you know, to stay, you know, you know, up in the, you know, high up in the points, you know, for the, you know, to ho- hopefully grab himself a um, a uh, spot, you know, when the when the chase begins. And speaking of the points, why don't we go ahead and cover those? Yeah. Okay. Um, leading the points is still A.J. Allmendinger. Um, sitting in second is uh, Noah Gregson. Third is Ty Gibbs. Fourth is Justin Allgaier. Fifth is Josh Berry. And rounding out the top six is uh, Brandon Jones. 
Um, Ty Gibbs still has the three points, 17 playoff points, you know, that's leading the, the series. And then Noah Grant is behind him with two points and uh, 15, 15 playoff points. And then from there we go to seventh is Sam, Sam Mayer, eighth is Riley Herbst, uh, ninth is Ryan Sieg, tenth is Austin Hill, eleventh is Landon Castle, and uh, sitting on the bubble is Daniel Hemrick with Anthony Alfredo sitting in the 13th spot. So those are our top 12 points. Um, Sheldon Creed is uh, wow sitting in 15th. He's he's got a he's got a mountain to climb. Yeah, he's got a, a big mountain to climb there. Uh, but if he can get that win and stay in the top 20, that would still put him into the playoffs. Uh, it would unseat the 12th place person, but uh, Sheldon Creed could still do it if he can get a win and stay in the top 20. Yes, and. Um, and last year's champion is down there on the bubble. So it, it might be like like the year that Kyle Busch won the championship and then come back the next year and never and didn't make the playoffs. Daniel Hammer could possibly yeah. be that that same driver, you know, be last year's champion and then this year not even make the playoffs. Yeah, Daniel's racing with a different team this year, so uh, you can see uh, that which team you're with. Uh, can make a big difference. Uh, he's with um, you know, he's with Colleague Racing, which is a really good team. But for some reason, he just did better last year uh, and won that championship and was extremely consistent last season. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was consistent up you know, to where you know he made the chase. You know, and was able you know to catch the catch a championship. Of course, his one and only win. And it came, you know, the last race for the championship race. So, you know, it was good to see that out of him. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, this race, uh, it was really good to see Justin Argauer, uh break his winless streak. And uh, I think that's not going to be good news for the rest of the competition now that he's done that. We might see him in victory lane again sometime soon. Yeah, we're all we're all hoping to see him in victory lane pretty soon again. You know, um, he's uh, definitely one to he's definitely one uh, one driver to keep an eye on. Yes, indeed. Now their next race isn't until May twenty first. Uh, so uh, they'll be racing the SRS Distribution 250 at Texas Motor Speedway on the 21st. So uh, there will be a qualifying and uh, <clears throat> practice sessions at that track. Uh, for the truck series, I didn't mention when they were racing next. Uh, they are racing this weekend at Kansas Speedway. So we will see them on the track uh, this weekend, we'll talk about it on Thursday night, the Heart of America 200. Uh, we'll start at 8 p.m. on Saturday. So it's a night race, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Uh, again, they'll have a practicing qualifying session. And, again, we'll get more into that with our preview show on Thursday night. Okay. Um Anything else you think we need to mention here in the Xfinity series, Sal? Yeah, no, just really. I mean, I, I think we got 
Space Earth Recovery. You know, we got the we got the points covered. We have the um, uh, you know the race winner. You know, some of the excitement you know that happened you know during the race. You know, it was, uh, the, some of the throwback schemes were really were really uh, were really neat. You know, to, to you know to, to see the different you know to see the different um, you know see what he, he, what each team came up with. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was it was kind of sad that uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the driver who wanted to drive the Skull Bandit, take a couple of laps and and um. Oh yeah, I they guess, couldn't do it. That was Trackhouse. That was in the Cup yeah, Series. Yeah, they were. Yeah, in the Cup Series. That's right. Yeah, and um, the it wasn't NASCAR. It was the it was the broadcasters that said you know because they don't allow any more tobacco or alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't let them. Um, didn't let them. Uh, I am a little surprised that they didn't know that going into it. Well, it's like they said; it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't part of the series. It was just the next edition thing. You know, mm-hmm. and so you know they figure you know what you know what's going to be a big thing. It's it's not like because what it is, is in professional sports. All in all, whether it don't matter what sport it is, you're not allowed to have any tobacco or alcohol products. Actually, mm-hmm. tobacco yeah, products can't say alcohol because right. we have we have alcohol, but you can't have tobacco. So it it wasn't he wasn't part of the part of the race. He was just an exhibition, and that's and I think that's what they're banking on. You know, is that hey, you know, we're only exhibition. You know what? What's going to be the what's going to be the big thing? You know, if, if we um, you know what's the big deal? You know if, if if we run a you know car for one or two laps, you know with the mm-hmm. you know with the throwback. Well, the the car would have was, run for the whole race. It wouldn't have run for just one or two laps. It would have run for the whole race. So. Okay, I I thought I thought it was he was only going to just bring it out for a parade lap. Well, maybe I that's what he did. Maybe that's what he did, but that was his throwback car for Darlington. So he was planning to race that car. Okay. Yeah, I I, I, I thought when I first heard it, you know, that it was just going to be, you know, it was just an exhibition you know, to run it, you know, a few laps around oh. in, in honor of in honor of Harry Gant. You know, and it was okay. just going to be just a, a quick thing, but. Yeah, who knows? They I mean, either way, they didn't, they didn't up allow. doing that, but uh, I think I, I don't. I'm not sure if they did that or not. But um, my understanding is that's the car. That's the car they were planning to race. Um, yeah, it's it's just, okay. it's just a sad deal. It is because uh, a lot of fans were looking forward to seeing that uh, paint scheme on the track this weekend at Darlington. It's one of the most fun weekends. What's kind of bad about it is that it's over Mother's Day weekend, and my Mother's Day weekend was completely packed in. And I really, I got to watch a little bit of the Cup Series race, but I totally missed the truck race. I totally missed the Xfinity Series race. And, um, uh, uh, I listened to it on the radio, and I, I watched uh, the first two stages of the race. But, uh, yeah, it was it's, – it's rough for me because I don't get to see that much of the racing over Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, you know, it, it was the same thing when, they had, when we had racing for the um, 
on Easter Sunday. I thought that was very horrible. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that was very. I didn't, I didn't think that was right. They're racing on Easter Sunday. You know what? You, you put a lot of people, you know, kind of out because you know they were, you know, they have family gatherings. You know, and some of the race fans had to. Not only that, but you know, you, you took it from the drivers. You know, you took Easter mm-hmm. Sunday away from the drivers and, and their kids. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, which 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 I didn't I didn't feel was right. You know, there was they, a lot of viewership Easter, though. Yeah, there was. You know, because people are sitting around during their picnics or barbecues, you know, watching mm-hmm. the race. But I mean, it wasn't fair to the drivers. You know, that have kids. You know, if they had to go and spend the weekend, you know, at a racetrack instead of you know spending it how they normally spend it. You know. Um, okay. Well, let's let's but, talk about your guest that's coming up, Sal, because uh, he's in the he's in waiting right now, so. Uh, I'm going to bring oh, you into the queue if you want to go ahead and do an introduction. Yeah. He even came early this time. Last time he didn't make it, so he, he wanted to make sure he wasn't well, going to be late. Well, I'm glad he's here. Yeah, so we get a, a few minutes with him. Anyways, our next our guest tonight is Dylan Zampa. He's uh, he's uh, races in the SRL Southwest Tour Pro, Pro Late Series out here at, uh, and um, over here in California. And he's also one of the finalists for the um, for the Wiki Development Program second year out. And uh, you got to follow him on social media. This kid does – he is amazing, the stuff, all the charity work he does for the for the Kawiki thing. Plus, he's got a, he's got a, uh, an exciting race coming up also on May 21st here at Irondale along with his prolate. So with that, we want to welcome Dylan to the show. Welcome to the show, Dylan. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you, man. You got a you got a busy schedule here coming up here for the for the month of May. A lot of racing going on. Plus, plus you're for plus you're also prepping for 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 a race that we'll talk to a little bit later on in the in the you know in your interview. But um, for now, uh, congratulations, you know, on getting your second um, finalist, you know, for the for the um, Alan Quickie uh, Development Program again. Yeah, it's just a, it's an honor to be a part of such a prestigious program. Thanks to Tom Roberts and all the Kowicki, uh board members for just allowing me to be part of their program for a second year. So just looking forward to uh, getting the year uh, rolling. We're rolling through the Kowicki, uh charity work pretty good right now, so we're just going to keep it rolling, uh, just trying to do as much work as we can per race and through the off weeks when we're not racing. So kind of give our listeners – a little background on, on what exactly this um, um, uh, program entails. Uh, the program is for, I would consider, upcoming drivers, just to get their name out there a little bit more. And it's also it's also to represent Allen and, and represent that uh, famous number seven. And when it just teaches you to be a better person on and off the racetrack with uh, either – uh, helping other drivers in your area or doing community service work and uh, working on your social media, uh, just all those big things while representing Alan on your race car ever when you're racing. You know, and for a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, our, our listeners that don't understand, you know, Alan Cook, he was a, Man, he was he was a special driver, you know, back back when he was uh, racing in, in the um, in the Cup Series, and uh, you know, for for them, you know, to put this program together, you know, to honor him, 
the way they have, you know, especially with the with the young up and coming drivers, you know, it means a, I'm sure it means a lot to his family. But uh, I know for each driver that's been involved with it, you know, there's that special place in your heart, you know, for the, you know, for the program. Yeah, it's um, it's just an honor to be part of that program. Alan was a. Uh, I would like to consider my team as how Alan used to race. He, he worked out of uh, his own shop, paid for all, paid for all of his own stuff. Was all, worked on all of his cars by himself with a couple of buddies. That's how I feel like I am with my crew. Got a couple of buddies from town that go out with us. Um, they just we all have a blast at the race weekend. It just brings us closer together as a family and as friends. So I just love. I love everyone that is connected with uh, my race team and, and just all my friends and sponsors. Just I couldn't do it without them. So let's talk a little bit about uh, um, about your race team. I know we've had you on before and we talked about, you know, the, the program, but let's talk a little bit more about what Dylan Zappa has going on for the, not only for, you know, these upcoming races, but for the rest of the season. Yeah, so I think we're going to be running about 25 races this year. Uh, I think we're, um, I think we're about four to five races in so far, and it's just it's going great so far. We got a couple, we got a lot of top fives and uh, two wins so far, three wins this this uh, three wins so far this year. So uh, we're just looking to keep it rolling, try to get as many wins as we can. Uh, just we're not really too worried about the SRL points. We're more worried about um, the Kowicki points. We're just trying to get, uh, just trying to win just as much as we can in everything we're doing right now. So just couldn't do without my, my parents, especially my dad, me and him and my mom always working on, uh, ways to raise money for any charity that we're working on right now. So I just couldn't do without my parents. And, and actually part of winning the, um, Young Guns last year, the Young Guns championship last year with the SRL, you have an opportunity coming up on May the 21st. Yeah, uh, big thanks to uh, Joe Farre and the Sigma Performance Services for uh, putting on that uh, that challenge last year for all the young drivers. Uh, I was very surprised to come to the last race that all we had to do was just finish inside the top five and we sealed the deal. And the, fun- and the funny thing about it is I was racing a- in the points for it against my brother. So um felt just a little good to beat him in that. So... Um, I got to rub that in a little bit on, but uh, I'm excited to to run a Super Late model for my first time against some of the best drivers on the West Coast. So uh, I'm just glad that my whole family is going to be there to watch me, and I'm just looking forward to it. You know, and, and actually, you know, when you talk about family, you know, it's kind of neat to go to the track, you know, and I see you guys, you know, you guys are, you know, a family, you know, you, your mom and dad, you know, and your brother, um, you know, of course, you know, I've, there, I've post pictures of you and your brother racing against each other. You know, you guys have that little camaraderie out, out on the track, but off the track, you guys are, I mean, it's really neat to see, you know, you know, how well, you know, you all get together, you know, you, all, you guys all gel together, you know, and, um, you know, all, all the fun that you have out there at the track. Yeah. Just, uh, even on race weekends, we're just normal, normal brothers. But uh, when it comes to the racetrack, he's just any other competitor out there. I don't race him any different. Race him just as just just race him as hard as hard and clean as everyone else on the racetrack. Uh, when, we're, when we're at home, we're either working on the race cars or me and him go out and just do 
uh, brother things, go bowling, uh, golfing, uh, just all kinds of stuff that we can do around Napa. You know, what's, what's it like, you know, to work on your car? You know, you mentioned, you know, you know, you guys are like the way Alan did, you know, he worked on his car at the home, you know, you don't have a big race shop, you know, like some of these drivers out there, but yet you guys are very competitive, you know, come race weekend. I'll, I'll never forget the winter showdown, you know, the, the battle that, you know, you and Seth Weiss had out there, you know, racing for the win. Yeah, me, uh, I would, me and Seth Weiss are about the same. We both work out of our own garage. So uh, to see me and him uh, compared to a lot of the other drivers in our field that work at a big shop, it uh, feels good to run up front. Uh, I'm just super thankful that my dad and, and just all my sponsors put uh, a lot of effort in, and to helping me pursue my career. And just we work out of our little two-car garage. Uh, sometimes we actually pull one car out of the trailer and we put it in our uh, our front yard and we work on it there. It, it makes my mom mad just a little bit, but... To get to the next race, we got to do what we got to do. So I'm just super, super thankful that I get to do what I'm doing right now. You know what? It, and and how do you find the balance between school, doing the Kawiki thing, and, and then you know, of course, you know, getting your car ready? Because I've seen some of the pictures you guys post on social media, you know, and, and you know, it, it's a hands-off family operation to get the cars together. Even talking with your dad, you know, you know, on race weekends. You know, you know, he talks about, you know, how everybody pitches in, you know, and, you know, you know, to get the cars ready, get them all prepped and get them to the track. Yeah. So uh, sometimes we, uh, if uh, some body parts get, get uh, messed up, uh, sometimes we'll one car out into the driveway, like I was saying, and we'll, uh, we'll work on it there. And sometimes our crew members, they're working uh, full-time, sometimes even after work late at night, around 6, 7.30 at night. They'll come they'll come by over and help uh, work on the cars a little bit just to get them ready for the race weekend. But uh, uh, managing all of my social media, school, working on the race car, it's definitely a lot – it's definitely difficult, but uh, it's fun. I get to do what, I'm, what I love to do. Uh, the social media work was – difficult for me to get used to last year when I first got into the Kawiki program but now I'm starting to figure it out as as the year is going on I feel like I'm getting better and better as every time I get on Facebook to post something but school school's my main thing I only have about a month left of my senior year and I'm signing up for college and I should be starting my first college classes in the fall so I'm just looking forward to Moving, moving on with my life, and trying to move up the ranks of racing. Also, cool. Now with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to Sharon, our the show host. I know she has a, I know she has a bunch of questions for you too. Sharon. Okay, sorry, I was on uh, mute. I sent you a message, <laughs> uh, but apparently you didn't get it. Uh, Dylan. Uh, thanks again for being on the show. Uh, it's really great to have you on. Uh, there's quite a few young guns that are doing really well in the series this year. Uh, talk about the competition uh, this year. And I know you raced at Irwindale in the first race this season. You're going back there on May 1st. Um, uh, what are your goals and expectations going into Irwindale? 
Yeah, so the, the competition this year is just as stout as it was last year. Even though Jeremy Doss isn't there this year, the competition's still as stout as it was last year. Uh, with Capello being there, he's uh, only ran two races out of the four races we ran, and he's won two of the races he's shown up at. So he's a big contender, a uh, great guy to race against. He knows he knows his stuff. He works on um, the Camping World Truck Series team, so he knows what he's doing. And... Uh, the first race, the all-star showdown race at Irwindale was on the half-mile track. Uh, we struggled a little bit when we were there. Come to race time, we struggled a little bit more. But uh, we're going back down to the one, um, the one-third mile inside the half-mile. So we had really good, really good speed all three races last year. We ran there. Uh, we had a fifth place and two second-place finishes. So uh, expectations are to go in there with the same mindset we've been going in with every race. Uh, just get, just get the car through the race in one piece, no scratches, and try to get to the front. And uh, we got a couple things we want to try with the setup just to get a little bit better because the the inner track at Irwindale is really hard on tires. And by lap 20, you're sideways. So we're trying a couple things to get the car to work on the long runs, and uh, we'll see what we got when we show up there. You know, uh, you bring up a good point there. You're talking about the long runs of your car. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that I think a lot of young drivers uh, learn over the course of their career is taking care of their car so that it's there at the end of the race. How hard is that for you to do with the competition being as tight as it is? Um, I don't think it's very uh, difficult for me at this stage of racing. When I first started running junior late models and my first year of pro late models back in 2019, definitely – I was uh, always lap one, go 100%, and it would it would end up biting me at the end of the race. Everyone was a lot faster, and I didn't know what was going on. And then when I first ran the SRL series last year, um, after, like, the first couple races, I finally figured out what I was doing wrong. And uh, as the end of the year came by, I was just this close to beating Jeremy Doss. Uh, a lot of races, I was within a car length, two car lengths, so... Um, going into this race, I, I have my mindset on what I'm, what I need to do to execute in the race, which is pretty much saving from lap one. Uh, a lot of those guys, a lot of the younger guys are going to just push from lap one and by lap 25, lap 30, they're going to be sideways and there's still 30 laps to go. And, and that could take a long time. So I just need to keep the mindset of what I need to do inside the race car and to tell my dad what I need changes done to the car during practice on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like you already have that lesson in your pocket, and uh, I think it will help you in the long run. Um, And uh, uh, you talked about your dad. Your dad is your crew chief for you? Yeah, just uh, just my dad is the only crew chief, and he crew chiefs both cars. And wow. just working on the race car, working on the race car every single day, it, it's helping me be kind of like a second crew chief. Like when he's making adjustments, I'm asking him what that's going to do. So when I show up to the racetrack and it's doing something, I can tell him, "Oh, hey, let's let's try this." And he runs it through his mind. He's like, "Okay," he doesn't have to second guess himself. He can just uh, think of it and be like, "Okay, that's going to work." And we can go and get right back out on the racetrack so we don't miss any practice time. Yeah, that's a big part of being a race car driver is being able to give the right feedback uh, to the 
to your crew chief uh, so that uh, they can get the car set up the way you need it uh, to be able to contend. Uh, so that's great experience that you're getting, Dylan. I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that you're uh, being very actively involved in that process. Um, and then uh, looking at the schedule and the races that are coming up, I know you, you race at uh, Kern County, uh, you race at uh, Irwindale. Uh, what, what tracks are the best tracks for you and your driving style? Let me ask you that one. Uh, yeah, so um, Stockton, 99 Speedways, uh, I love that track. Nice little tight racing. Really brings the driver out of you when you race that track. Uh, that track is also like Irwindale. you got to conserve your tires. Um, even a, in a 60 lap race, you can't go hard on lap one. You got to conserve and wait till the last 20 to go. So uh, I'm looking forward to running at Stockton, but uh, we, we don't get to race at er, uh, Roseville anymore, which uh, is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, I love All American Speedway, so mm-hmm. it's a bit of a bummer that we already ran there. Uh, we got the win there, so I love All American Speedway. Uh, just Irwindale Speedway. I, I'm looking forward to getting back out there on the half mile track. Um, uh, that track was awesome. Three, four groove racing. You don't see that at most tracks. And so just looking forward to getting back at Irwindale Stockton and, uh, also Kern County Raceway. Okay. Sal, did you have any other questions for, um, Dylan? Yeah, I just got, I think I just had a really one more question. Um, with the upcoming race at, uh, at um at Orendale, you're going to be doing double duty. You're going to be doing your pro late and your super late. How are you going to prepare for the for the two different dynamics of the cars? You know, especially I think I think this time around they're running the pro late on the third mile and they're running the while well, the supers always run the half mile. But I remember I know I know for the All Star Showdown they ran the half mile. So how how much of a difference is it going to be to make the adjustment from the third mile to the half mile into the super late? Uh, I'm not uh, entirely sure yet. I've never ran a super late model, so I don't know. I don't know the difference in the steering tires. I'm gonna have to figure that all out when I get in the car for the first time, and then I can figure out what I need to do. But Jeremy Doss did it last year, so um, he he made it look pretty easy. But he's always ran a super late model, so um, I'm gonna ask Jeremy Doss for a couple pointers and. Um, Derek Thorne, maybe I might ask him. Dustin Ash, he's going to be my, my teammate at that race, and he runs pro late also. So uh, I'll just ask a couple of those guys for some pointers and see where it takes us that weekend. Yeah, I was just going to say, Dustin is, it's, I guess, since it's going to be an SPS car, um, you know, Dustin will be, and Dustin is a really good Dustin's really good with uh, you know with the with helping out the younger drivers, like you said, as well as Derek. You know, Derek is really helpful too, and uh, you know, of course, um, Jeremy. You know, he's going to be a big help. So, I mean, you're going to have you're going to have three three drivers there. Plus, if Joe Fari's there, you're going to have you're going to have four really good driver coaches. You know, help you get around the track and, and learn. I'm sure you know you'll spend a lot of time out on practice on on uh, on Friday. You know, the day before the race. Yeah, we'll we'll be making a lot of laps on Friday, just getting used to the car, getting used to what the tires are gonna feel like on a long run. So I'm looking forward to getting out there um um in two weeks and see what we can do. 
while Dylan, it's, we're coming to the end of the of the segment. Um, is there any um, uh, uh, shout outs you know uh, that you want to give, whether it be sponsors, you know, your team, anything like that? And then we also want to um, uh, also um, let us know your um, social media where we can, where the uh, listeners can follow you. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on uh, Facebook at Dylan Zampa. You can follow me on Twitter at Zampa underscore Dylan and on Instagram you can follow me at Dylan underscore Zampa and I'd like to thank uh, Anderson Logging, uh, PSB Brakes, Sierra Speed Technology, Ride On Motorsports, Gone Fishing Marine, J Squared Performance, All Pro Coatings, just everyone on the board, especially my mom and dad, Joe, my brother, just everyone that's on board can't do it without them. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show, and hopefully, you know, uh, you know, you'll 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 get your uh, win pretty soon. You know, we can get you back on. But next time we go to Disneyland, I'm taking a step ladder because I'm going to climb up in that hole that you jumped out of that that night. And I'm going to get you back for that night. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Dylan. Thanks. All right. Thanks for being on, Dylan. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, that is Dylan Zampa. He is a pro late model driver in the SRL Spears Southwest Touring Series. So uh, uh, up and coming driver and, uh, you know, I'm really impressed with him and and what he's able to do uh, between himself, his brother and his dad. Uh, Again, some of the the other teams that are more more funded, uh, they're really accomplishing a lot. Oh yeah, they are. They've been around for a while. You know, they, you know, they. He did the, the junior late model program up at uh, up at Madera, and I, and I know that just going through that program, you know, Kenny Shepard really did a nice job through there. But um, with that last comment, real quick, we went to we met them. Me and Sandy met the family up at Disneyland, and we were getting off of Indiana Jones, getting on Indiana Jones, and, and there's a lot of little crevices you can climb into. Well, Dylan's a small guy, so. He was getting in there, and he got me a couple times, scared me. But the last time, I don't know how the heck, he got up, like, like he was like 10, 12 feet off the ground in this little cubby hole. We were walking by, and he jumped out. And I was like, how the heck did he get up there? But anyway, so that, that that's kind of why she got a little digging at the end. But, um, but, back, okay. but back to well, the racing. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to jump into awesome the job. cup series because we've only got jump into it. a little more than 10 minutes, huh? I said, let's jump into it. Okay. Uh, race winner was Joey Logano, age 31, in the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford uh, for Team Penske and Crucci Paul Wolf. It was his 28th victory in 483 Cup Series races, his first victory and sixth top 10 finish in 22, and his first victory and ninth top 10 finish in 17 races at Darlington Raceway. Tyler Reddick in second posted his second top 10 finish in six races at Burlington. It's his fifth top 10 finish this year. Justin Haley, third, posted his first top 10 finish in three races at Darlington Raceway. And Harrison Burton, who finished 14th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, um, uh, just to kind of go over how this race uh, finished out, uh, there's been a lot of talk about it. Uh, Joey Logano bumps his way to the NASCAR Cup Series victory at Darlington. Um, 
William Byron was not happy. Your comment was, yeah, he's just a moron. He can't win a race, so he does it that way. I don't know, Will. Yeah, it was close racing on the restart. We were faster than him. Obviously, at the end, the right rear of Byron's car started to go away, and, yeah, he didn't even make it a contest. Uh, Justin Haley ran third, followed by Kevin Harvick, who posted his 10 results at the Lady in Black. Uh, that's a track record, by the way. Chase Elliott started at the rear of the field in a backup car, and he ended up finishing in fifth. Uh, the win, again, was his first of the year in the first at Darlington. Reddick actually finished second, followed by Justin Haley, uh, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with another top 10 finish, uh, Austin Dillon and Daniel Suarez rounding out the top 10. Logano started from the pole. He led eight times throughout the day. He took the lead for the final time coming to the white flag after bumping the 24 of Byron from the lead. Stage one was won by Logano. Stage two by Ross Chastain. There were 24 lead changes among 13 drivers, nine cautions for 47 yellow flag laps in the average speed of the race was 119.158 miles per hour. Uh, the gap between first and second was actually 0.775 seconds. Your thoughts there about the top 10 finishers? So. Yeah, you know, it was a, you know, like you said, you know, of course, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the bump, you know, from, uh, you know, from Joey, even though he was faster and he could have went around him. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's racing. Um, I'm sure that William Byron forgot on the restart, you know, when he pinched Joey up against the wall, you know, it almost caused him to wreck, you know. They don't remember things like that. But either way, you know, when you talk about the top ten, um, you know, seeing uh, – um, you know, Joey finally, you know, get the win. He's he's always wanted the win there at that um there at uh um that Darlington. Um, you know, t- Tyler Reddick, gosh, what a what a what a run. But Justin Haley, you know, to grab that third place finish, you know, I know that was big for him and for, you know, all of his fans. You know, it's good to see mm-hmm. Kevin Harvick, you know, you know, up up there in the top five also. Um, you know, as far as the rest of the field, you know, Kyle Bush had a really strong car. Um you know Gosh, I, I felt bad for Brad, you know, when he, you know, when he, when he wrecked, he didn't mean to wreck him, you know, when he wrecked him, but I thought it was funny that Kyle just pulled the car and right at the, you know, at the end of pit road and left it there and walked the rest of the way, you know, um, you know, uh, I guess, like they said, he remembered what happened last year when he, same thing happened, he drove through the pit mm-hmm. area, you know, and took out all the cones, but, um, all in all, it was a good race, you know, a lot of a lot of passing, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of action. I'll tell you that. Yes, you know, there a lot was. Of, a, lot of, a, a, lot of, a lot of crying. Bubba Wallace come out of the infield care center crying, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, the racing gods don't like me, you know. And, oh, dear. You know, it's, well, you know. Oh. There was a big accident. Oh, well. A lot of cars were taken out by accidents. Uh, Daniel Hemrick had an engine issue. B.J. McLeod had a brake issue. Uh, Kyle Larson had an engine issue, uh, took him out of the race. And then uh, I think there were several other drivers caught up in accidents, uh, including Eric Jones, Cole Custer, Bubba Wallace, Kurt Busch, 
Alex Bowman and Ross Chastain, as well as Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Corey LaJoy. Uh, so some big names on that list taken out of the race because of the big one at Darlington. Oh, yes. You know, it was, yeah, the big one at Darlington. But, you know, there was a story <laughs> that I that I kind of wanted to share, and it was, um, I, I can't find it, but I, I can kind of add a little bit real quick. Um, but I guess there was an 85-year-old woman who had been wanting to go to a race for a long time, and um, somebody put it on Twitter and I guess Kyle Bush read it, and um, he went and sent her and her family. They're going to go to the Richmond race, but he's he's got a lot uh. passes and everything for the race. Did you read that story? No, I didn't see that story. That is an awesome story. Kyle Bush did so many yeah. things like that that are so cool. Yeah. He does have a heart. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> yeah, he does, you know, but it was – um. She's she's an 85 year old woman, you know, and didn't couldn't afford to go to any racing. She wanted to go to race, so um, he went and um, he read. She she put it on Twitter, and one of the other media guys sent it to Kyle's Twitter page, and he told Kyle, he goes, "I know you don't read our you don't like us media guys anyway, so you probably won't read this." But he read it, and he went back on Twitter, and he went to social media, and he he hunted the lady down to find her. And finally found her. Mm-hmm. And then when he found her on social media, then that's when he told her, he goes, you and your family are going to, um, you know, as a guest of, of Toyota, you guys will be at the, you guys are coming to the Richmond race with hot passes. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. Uh, so many great stories like that uh, from Kyle Bush. But we're going to run out of time, uh, so I want to make sure that we talk about the point standings here. Oh yeah, I'm already. I'm, I'm, I'm already yeah, I, I figured we had a couple couple seconds. So, anyways, yeah, so the point standings. There's uh, Chase Elliott still leading the points. William Byron in second, Ryan Blaney in third, Joey Logano fourth, Ross Chastain, man in fifth, Kyle Busch sixth, Martin Truex Jr. seventh, and Alex Bowman round out the top eight. And then from there, then we go to Kyle Larson ninth. Christopher Bell, 10th, Kevin Harvick, 11th, Eric Almarola, 12th, Chase Briscoe, 13th, 14th is Austin Dillon, 15th is uh, Tyler Reddick, and 16th is Eric Jones at the number 43. Okay. And actually, yeah. William Byron and Ryan Blaney are still tied. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? And there's a three-way tie. For Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch, and Mark Truex, all have 364 points. Okay, and that and that's for that uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh spot. Uh, so yeah, and then the 13th really and 14th. Tight. Yeah, 13th and 14th. Chase Briscoe and Austin Dillon with 287 points each. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is and just one point behind hit them is Tyler Reddick, just one point back. So four point back yeah. is uh, Eric Jones. So that's really tight at the uh, bottom of the bubble there, uh, at the top of yeah, the bubble, is. I should say. Um, so uh, William Byron has his two victories, giving him 13 playoff points, and Ross Chastain with two victories has 12 playoff points. So uh, those guys have uh, the highest playoff points here uh, by virtue of their two wins. 
Oh, and no one yeah, expected this from Ross Chastain. I know. You know. Uh, we, we followed Ross Chastain for a long time, Sal. And uh, it's really good to see him finally getting some time in the sun, some time to shine. Oh, yeah. He's been running good at all three series, especially in the Cup Series where it counts. You know, and to be mm-hmm. six in points, he's already, he's already locked into the chase, so... You know, now it's just a matter of just racking up those playoff points, you know, this way he can make it all the way into Phoenix. Exactly. Uh, one thing I've noticed is we are starting to see some of the more veteran drivers uh, kind of start to do better with this new car. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Harvick getting that top five finish. or Yeah, he had a top five finish. Uh, so Kevin Harvick was there. Michael McDowell finished in seventh place. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in eighth. Um, Daniel Suarez with a top 10 Joy Logano with the victory uh, I know some people question that But uh, a lot of these guys Are starting to uh, figure this car out And uh, I kind of thought It would happen where they would do better In the second half of the season So it's good to see that um, You're going to be at uh, Disney World this weekend, right? Yeah we're gonna, I'll be on vacation this weekend Okay, so no racetracks for you this weekend. I hope you enjoy your time with Sandy, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Jay's already said that he'll co-host on Monday, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Enjoy your vacation. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend. Have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Okay. Take care now. Be safe. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, It is at the top of the hour, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And I know that uh, we have Michael Orzel here. Welcome to the show, Michael. Good to be back. Also here is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Happy to be here as well. Uh, glad to hear that Mike is back. I know it's been a while since we've had him on. So, Well, I think it's just going to be the three of us tonight. I haven't heard from um, Tommy, and I know Andy is working tonight. So uh, we'll go ahead and get into our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off here. Jay, I'm going to go ahead and start with you tonight. We don't usually get to start with you, so let's do it tonight. Well, uh, Sharon, you might uh, might want to, I heard you just mention it to Sal. You know it's going to come up, so I'll be the one to bring it up. The bump and run okay. happened again here at Darlington. Uh, maybe a little bit different reasoning or circumstances in this case, but uh, it definitely happened. It definitely happened. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? I've got to kind of, I've got to temper my, my reply here because I know I wrote an article last year about drivers whining about not getting respect on the racetrack and, and, and whatnot. So I've got to make sure I don't step on my own toes here. However, <laughs> I will say that I've noticed kind of a troubling trend, uh, not just in the Cup Series, but really in all three major series, that if you are leading at the end of a NASCAR race, whether it be the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series, or the Truck Series, and the second-place guy is within striking distance of you, you're going to get struck. And I'm kind of concerned that that has become the norm as opposed to the exception. Uh, not just this past weekend when we saw Joey Logano dump 
uh, William Byron on the last lap for the lead. Uh, we also saw Chase Briscoe absolutely clean out Tyler Reddick at Bristol, and there's been several instances before that where the leader who took the white flag uh, gets taken out by the guy in second place. Sometimes the second-place guy goes on to take the win like Joey Logano did. Sometimes, in the case of Briscoe and Reddick, they take them both out, and Kyle Busch ends up stealing the win. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned about this trend of that's just the way it is anymore is we're just going to hit the guy and knock him out of the way. I get that Joey Logano felt that he was wronged by William Byron early in the race, I don't. I know what he's talking about in terms of what incident on the track he's referring to, whether that was worthy of just running over the guy, because he didn't even make an attempt to pass him. He just flat ran him over and, and stuffed him in the fence. Whether that was justified or not, I don't know. But I think, you know, the pendulums tend to swing one way or the other, right? Back in the, the, the mid-2000s, NASCAR were black flag guys for aggressive driving, and the fans didn't like that, and there was a lot of complaints about it. So NASCAR went to the boys have at it kind of thing. But I think the pendulum may have swung just a little far in the other direction where boys have at it has become let's dump the leader every single race just about. And I don't know that that's really the answer either. I don't think we're at the point where NASCAR needs to get involved and start issuing penalties. But I think – I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with you, but I think there's definitely discussion that needs to be had about maybe it shouldn't be the norm to, to just make contact with the leader on the last lap and take him out on every single race. Well, well, well. You guys are going to be a little surprised with what I'm going to say here. Um, it's a conundrum because when these things happen, people are talking, and when people are talking, they want to – Tune in to the next race to see what happens next. Um, I am not a fan, and I've made it known. I don't care who the driver is. I'm not a fan of the bump and run as a way of winning a race. I think it's a bad look for the premier series of our sport. Uh, I think that these drivers are talented, and they need to display their talent on the track. Joe Logano could have done that. Um, on, on, in this race, but he felt he was wronged. And because he felt he was wronged and when he was trying to take the lead from William Byron, William Byron squeezed him into the wall and he lost his momentum and, and didn't get the lead at that point. So he had it in his mind that that opened the door for him to make the next move and take William Byron out of contention. So <clears throat> neither Ray, ne- both cars lost their momentum. Both cars fell back. I listened to Ryan Blaney today, and Ryan Blaney said part of the problem is that there is so much pressure on these drivers to make it into the playoffs. In this case, William Byron has two wins. Joey Logano has none, and that was part of his motivation as well. And we've heard it from drivers like Ty Gibbs. We've heard it now from Joey Logano and other drivers have said this. I had to do it. I don't necessarily agree with that, but from their perspective, that's the way they're looking at it. They don't care how they win the race. And I've heard Justin Mark, I've heard a lot of team owners say that's the kind of driver that they want to have behind the wheel of their cars. 
um, a driver who wants that win so badly, he's going to do whatever he has to do to get that win. Uh, and that's the situation that we find ourselves in today. Again, uh, I find it it's a little bit of a bad look for the most talented drivers uh, within NASCAR, and I'm not happy about it. Okay, my dog is chewing on something. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Um, anyway, I don't think it's the best look for our sport, but what it is doing is it is bringing people to our sport. So that's the conundrum that NASCAR has here. People are talking about it. People are, are doing, uh, they're going to these races because they want to see what's going to happen next. Uh, they want to see if their driver's going to make it into the playoffs. Sponsors want their drivers in the playoffs. And I don't know what the answer is to fix this <laughs> at this point. Um, but I do know that uh, uh, it is what it is. I, I don't know what more I can say about it. I'm going to have more in the follow-up. But, Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I think, I think first off, I don't think you can lump all of them together. Uh, Mike mentioned the, the Bristol race, uh, Ty Gibbs in his race. Uh, I don't think you can lump all of them together. Each one is kind of a separate uh, situation. In this case, Joey Logano doesn't have a win yet on the year. You mentioned William Byron has mm -hmm. two. The closing rate, um, William Byron's tires and car was going away and slowing down. Joey was gaining on him. Initially, I just thought that he got that great a run, and Byron kind of came low to block the door, and Joey got into him. Uh, that clearly wasn't the case. Then you go back and look at, okay, Joey felt justified in it. Looking at that, it did appear as though William Byron ran him up the wall and pinched him into the wall. He felt payback. What I don't particularly like, I, I understand what you're sharing, you're coming from. In this case, it was two laps to go. Joey could have at least made an attempt to get around him clean because he had the, clearly had the better car. He let that mm -hmm. little bit of red get in his eyes when he saw that bumper and he saw his chance. Because um, I do think, given that two laps to go, he certainly could have gotten around him clean and gone on and won the race anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of those of maybe if you can control that. Now, had it been white flag, last corner coming around, and he says that same opportunity, and I do think he executed the bump and run itself good. He gave him a nudge. Byron went up the track. Joey drove under him. Didn't run mm -hmm. him over, didn't wreck him. Uh, and that's why I say you go back to Chase Briscoe's. Briscoe's didn't run him over. He made a bad move that didn't hold, and then it collected him. So that's why I say there's, mm -hmm. it's different for every situation. So, And I can't say, Joey, whether he was justified or not. He felt he got run into, the, run into there. Um, and he was going for his first win of the year. His win at the Coliseum wasn't a points race, so he wasn't technically locked into the playoffs. And you mentioned it, Sharon, all, all the sponsors, owners, all of that, it comes down to that's what you got to do. Okay, Mike, do you follow up? Yeah, Jay brings up a really good point. Is it's, it's a unique, each one is a unique circumstance. There haven't been a lot of repeat offenders. You can kind of say that Ty Gibbs is starting to become a repeater on this. Ross Chastain, he, he's definitely known for roughing some people up. 
But in terms of the last lap contact for the pass for the win, there's not a whole lot of repeat offenders on there. And like you said, Jay, every circumstance is different. You've got to take into account what each person is racing for and whatnot. Uh, for example, Coda, Ross Chastain's racing for his first win ever. A.J. Allmendinger racing in one of his rare Cup Series opportunities. Um, and then same thing. At Bristol, I, I was not as pleased with Chase Briscoe for what he did because Briscoe already had a win. He took the opportunity away from Reddick, who did not have a win yet, not just in the season but in his career. Uh, he took them both out for really no, nothing to be gained minus, okay, yeah, obviously a race win is always a nice thing, but Briscoe already has one. He took Reddick's opportunity away. And, oh, by the way, how bad has Tyler Reddick wished he had that win in his back pocket after the disasters that he's had at Talladega and Dover especially? Darlington was a little bit of a rebound, but since missing that opportunity at Bristol, Tyler Reddick has really had a rough go of it. Um, so how big of a deal is losing that opportunity for a win at Bristol because of the contact that was made on the last lap there? So, yes, we need to look at them in context. We need to look at them individually, but – Sharon, you like to talk a lot about the culture and how certain things become culturally accepted mm-hmm. or they need to become culturally unacceptable. And in this case, mm-hmm. I think just culturally speaking, it has become maybe a little bit too accepted to not even try to pass the leader cleanly on the last lap or the last couple of laps and just go straight to making that contact send the leader up the track and, and move your way on by. Even if you don't end up taking that guy out, yeah, the bump and run is, is kind of a classic maneuver, especially on the short tracks. And I'm not saying it needs to be banned. Like I said on my, my previous reply, I don't think we're at the point where NASCAR needs to take official enforcement action. Uh, but I think from a cultural standpoint, maybe we need to kind of swing that pendulum back the other way where there's at least an attempt to, make, to not make contact with the leader. Don't use the leader's four tires combined with your four to try and make a corner that you otherwise have no chance of making, stuff like that, and maybe put a little bit more of the racing back in the race on the last laps as opposed to just make contact, send the guy, and maybe get by if you don't take yourself out in the process. I think that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with a lot of what both of you have said here. Not every situation is exactly the same. Uh, in this situation, though, I wish Joey Logano would have taken the higher ground here, gone for the win without the bump and run, and then had a private conversation with William Byron about squeezing him up. Uh, I think he he might have gained a lot of fans had He'd done that. Instead, he's going to get booed, um, which I guess that's not a big deal. But um, I, I think that we have to remember part of the reason why Joey Logano is a no-apologetics kind of person for the bump-and-run move. Because when he first came into the sport and he was in the Cup Series, he was a young driver. And he got pushed around by the veterans quite a bit. Uh, and at some point, he had to take a stand and say, I'm not going to be pushed around anymore. And I think it was at that point that Joy Logano said, if you do it to me, you better expect it back because it's going to happen. If you push me up into the wall, 
then you you open the door for me to make the next move. And that's exactly what he did here. Um, do I wish it would have been different? Yeah, I wish it would have been different. But uh, And I, I've said that. But it wasn't. And you got to think about who the who Joy Logano is. Do I, do I think it was the right thing to do? No, not necessarily. I think he could have handled it differently. Um, but uh, I think there's some history here that kind of goes into the decision that he made. Joy Logano could have won that race without doing a bump and run. And I think I think about some of the races that we've watched. I remember Kurt Busch and uh, uh, Ricky Craven coming to the finish line side by side, bumping and banging all the way finish line. I think that was at Darlington, and that was an exciting finish. We were cheated of that kind of a finish this weekend at Darlington Raceway. He could have made it that kind of a finish that's very, very exciting to watch. So the bump and run does not make it more exciting for me. For me, it would have been more exciting to see the side-by-side bumping and banging all the way to the finish line. Um, that I know I've seen it, and it is exciting when that happens. People are standing uh, and on their feet for those kind of finishes. Um, and and you don't know who's going to be the one to get across that finish line at the end. And um, I think we were cheated of that kind of a finish this weekend as a race fan. And I'm a race fan. I'm not a bump and run fan. Um, I am a race fan. I want to see them all out going for that finish at the end of the race. Uh, and I think we were cheated of that this weekend. Uh, Jay, you brought up a good point, too, the fact that, that not all of these are the same, um, these situations with the bump and the run. Chase Briscoe obviously was an accident. I don't think he intentionally uh, took out anybody. Uh, it ended up being that way, the post-race thing that they were doing. Um, but I don't think it was an intentional thing on his part. Ty Gillen. That was intentional. He said he had to do it. it was, um, but I, I do think, just like we said with Ty Dillon, I think that Joey Logano has to show me that he's a bigger man than that. <laughs> he needs to go out there and win these races without that bump and run uh, because it's, it's becoming, as Mike said, uh, more of a habit and more of an expectation. Um, but, but again, William Byron, when he squeezed him up and through the wall, it should have been no surprise to him uh, of what happened when Joey Logano made his move. Uh, so, again, I find myself on both sides of this. I've been thinking about it all day today, and I find myself on both sides of this. I can argue either side of it. But I, I understand why William Byron was angry. He had every right to be angry. But Joey Logano was angry, too, when he got pushed up into the wall. He had every right to be angry. Um, so it, it's one of those things. I, I wish it wasn't becoming an every week occurrence. I wish the drivers would showcase their talent more. And I do feel that the fans were cheated of a really close 
side-by-side finish this weekend with Darlington. Jay? Yeah, you bring up the Ricky Craven, Kurt Busch, and that is has to be top five, if not the top, top three, top five <laughs> of all-time finishes. And had yeah. something happened there where one of them got taken out, that is what you call a racing incident due to just hard side-by-side racing. Okay, this situation at Bristol with Briscoe kind of falls into that category. Uh, you know, it's questionable if he even that move would have even possibly worked. You had to almost expect it. Maybe he shouldn't have done it. But like you said, it wasn't a direct uh, hit to try and take him out or move him. With, with Joey, and he said it, had the situation with Byron um, not happened earlier in the race, he would have went by him clean. Do we know if that would have happened? No, we don't. Does Joey's <laughs> reputation lead you to believe that? Maybe not. No. But with the car the way it was, I do think had he not had that red in his eyes, that he would have because he clearly had been catching him and had two laps uh, to do so. So I think that is one. Yes, we would have liked to have seen the driver, like you said, show a little more maturity, take the to higher road. And we've seen drivers that will do it. Uh, there are ones, and I'll get to that in a second, of, of the just aggressive nature. Um, the key thing I heard on the radio this morning was when it happened with the situation happened with Byron, yeah, they said he got run into the wall. Joey never said, hey, I'm going to go get this guy. There was no, hey, go take him out or find your opportunity. It was just logged in the back of his head. I mean, you know, that, hey, I owe him one. Um, and that came back to the forefront as he was coming there uh, in those final laps. So I think that was a big difference when you when you hear the driver say, okay, I'm going to go get this guy. That's now their intent. So I don't, I'm not a fan of that because then you have the situation. And I think Joey learned a lot when we go back to him and Matt Kenseth. Uh, he had hit Kenseth to get the win at Kansas, which is coming up next week, ironically. Kenseth retaliated at Martinsville. I think Joey mm-hmm. learned a lot there um, with that. So I personally do at least a little 50-50 believe that Joey would have passed him clean had he not had that frustration from earlier in that particular race uh, to boot. Um, now going to the driver. Well, now Byron thinks he owes him back. Well, and that's, you know, that's one of those of, I know I heard, uh, I saw where Jeff Gordon talked to him, uh, tried to, mm-hmm. I don't want to say dissuade him, but at least calm him down. Uh, it's one of those of, look, big picture, if we're going to run for the championship, they obviously could have multiple wins this year. They already got two. They could have had a couple more. Uh, and the, where their team is at, hopefully jo- uh, Jeff Gordon and Rick Hendrick can say, hey, let's look at the big picture. Do we want to feud with Joey or do we want to run for the championship? So that comes into play. When you mentioned the drivers with the aggressive nature and the owners wanting that, I don't know that they want to see a driver that will go out there and run over somebody every week. However, when Mike was talking about it, Byron has two wins, Joey doesn't have any. If the roles were reversed, I don't want a driver that's going to go, oh, I got two wins in the bank, I'm going to let this guy get his first win. That's right. where you don't want a driver that's going to, to ride like that, especially if you got the car. Now, Mark Martin, Martin Truex are the two that come to my mind. If they don't have the car to, to pass them and pass them clean, and I think of Martin Truex and Joey Logano at Martinsville a couple of years back. Martin worked for lap after lap after lap after lap to work his way under Joey, got by him. 
Joey didn't return that same respect and favor, and I don't know there mm-hmm. if he felt Martin had rubbed him wrong. From my viewpoint, Martin ran very hard and very clean. Joey not so much going into that next uh, yep. corner to get the lead back. Um, so that's one I understand where fans may not believe him when he says he would uh, race him the way mm-hmm. he raced. Uh, raced. Uh, I understand that. Um, but like I said, I don't know that owners are looking for him to run over everybody when at all costs but certainly not be passive enough to say, okay, he want, he needs his first win. I'm going to let him have it. I'm not going to even try and push it or race him hard side by side. Uh, you know, like with Chase Briscoe, he took the shot. It didn't work, and I don't know that it ever would have, but he took it. And I understand that kind of – you want to see that kind of passion in it. Let me ask you guys a question uh, because you're right. They're looking for the passion. But let me ask you a question. What if it was reversed? What if it was Joey Logano that pushed Byron up into the wall, and then at the end of the race it was William Byron that did the bump and run to get the win? Would that change your perspective of how that played out, Mike? Well, tough to say. Obviously, we're, we're, it depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at, well, now we've got a guy that has two wins who just dumped the guy who has zero wins, we're right back to the discussion that we had before. Um, I don't know. And to be honest, I don't know that William Byron has it in him to dump anybody uh, for a win. He might now. We saw, that, like you said earlier with well, Joey Logano. Logano up into the wall. <laughs> well, that's true. He did kind of pinch Logano up in there, but it, that was kind of a, a, I don't know, more of a defending against the rest of the pack kind of a thing versus a one versus one. So I don't know. You're right. He, he did kind of pinch Logano earlier. Um, I think William Byron is starting to come into his own as a race car driver as well, and he's right about at that same point in his career that Logano was when Logano says, you're not going to be pushing me around anymore. This may be the weekend that we start seeing a different William Byron after this. So I don't know. Uh, back to your original question of if the roles were reversed, objectively, I'd like to say that I have the same criticism for William Byron, but I don't know. We're not in that position. So uh, I'm going to be. I'm going to leave it as gray as I possibly can for you. <laughs> okay, that's pretty non-committal. Uh, Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, going into this weekend, I would have to say, like Mike said, we haven't seen. I'm not going to say Byron hasn't ever bumped anybody, but we haven't seen that super aggression. So I would have to say probably no. And Mike hit on it. Following this weekend, maybe, maybe not. Um, if that changes. But like I said, I think Jeff Gordon is one that can talk to him and haven't been through it. And Jeff Gordon certainly had his moments. Um, there's there's always situations where, you know, it is a need or I don't know if need is the right word, but where it, it's going to happen. But especially with the way they are running this year, I think they're going to say, hey, look, we are running top five every week. Let's not worry about him. I know Chase Elliott kind of had that with Harvick. He still had his moment, but they went at it as a whole. Hey, we're in the playoffs. We're moving on. You're not. You're not going to be my worry. My focus is the championship. So I think that's where they need to kind of focus him. But I understand if he were to now become a little more aggressive, especially with Joey Logano, you can't blame him. Yeah, I don't think we would have been talking about it in the same vein. Uh, as we're talking about it as it was. Uh, Joey Logano has a reputation 
of, uh, you know, I'm going to race you, the race you waste me, I'm not going to let anybody take me out of a opportunity to win a race uh, kind of attitude. Uh, again, he's very unapologetic for racing people the way he feels like he's been raced. There are exceptions, and, and, my, and Jay, you brought up a good one with Martin Truex Jr. that time. Uh, he raced him clean, and he still bumped him out. So I think that Lugano does have a reputation of being that kind of a driver. Um, William Byron does not. So I think we would have looked at it differently uh, just based on that fact alone. Um, but I think moving forward, I would like to see Joy Logano not have to go for payback every single time. Because, unfortunately, I think what happened to him with Kenseth could happen with him again with William Byron. And I heard Gordon say that uh, in a video that I saw on Twitter. He did say Joy Logano's got one coming to him. So uh, I think that they're going to look for that opportunity and I fully expect that somewhere down the road, uh, they're going to look for that opportunity uh, for payback to, uh, to uh, uh, Joy Logano. And that's the problem with these bump and runs. That's the problem with racing each other uh, the, as aggressively as they've been racing one another, is that everybody always feels that they've got a payback to give. So I wish we could get away from it. Uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to at any time in the near future, but uh, I would have liked to have seen uh, a cleaner race there. But I guess for the short track, it is what it is. Okay, so Mike, you get the next hot topic. Uh, you want to do your announcement first? Oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh, we're already there. Okay, for our first-time listeners, thank you, Mike. Uh, for our first-time listeners, we're liking to make an announcement at this time of the night, just so you're not caught off guard and not know what to do to hear the rest of our conversation. We're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but we're going to continue our conversation, and so when we go off the air, we're going to be mid-sentence, more likely than not. And um, uh, for those who are listening for the first time, we continue to record that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. I will go out on Twitter and let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to our player at fanforracing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation bonus overtime material. Uh, again, I don't want anybody to be caught off guard saying, ah, what happened? How do I hear the rest of this? Uh, that that's our process for for uh, folks to hear that bonus overtime material. Okay, so with that, Mike, I guess uh, we're ready to move on here with the next hot topic. Sure, and I'm not going to back away from the controversial ones. Uh, let's talk about the other big controversy from yesterday. Kyle Busch was involved in an on-track incident <laughs> later in the race, uh, had some damage to his car that ended up being beyond what was fixable, and the team decided not to continue. Uh, Kyle Busch took his car most of the way down pit road, stopped it at more or less an entrance into the garage, got out of his car, and just walked away. And uh, there was some speculation on whether that is a uh, penalty, uh, penalty-worthy offense or not. So uh, I, I've got my opinion, but uh, let's, let's take it from there. 
Okay, Jay. Well, first off, I got to say, I made a mistake uh, that I personally don't like like that I did. I jumped on this with only having part of the story. I hadn't watched the race yet. I saw a video clip on Twitter, and yeah, Kyle Busch appeared to be doing Kyle Busch things. However, if you watch the race and watch the situation through and understand the full story to it, it's not as much uh, of that as what I thought. Kyle Busch obviously was still being Kyle. What's that? You got to look at the history too. Right, and there is some history that does come into play. You're right. Let me hit on that. So, like I said, Kyle was still obviously upset and kind of having a tantrum. I get that. However, they and there's another tweet out now with the the car damage. He said the car wouldn't turn and he couldn't go no more. That's a very good possibility. Can't say whether it's true or not. I'm not the one driving the car. I don't know. The history of that track in that particular spot, I believe it is the exact same spot. Last year, he got in trouble for driving it into the garage. Granted, it was a little excessive in speed, but he ran over some cones and was fined 15000 for a safety issue. Uh, that had to come into play because it was right there, and I didn't see if the cones were set up. I saw them alongside, so I don't know if somebody had moved those after he had come to a stop uh, to allow him in or not, but that comes into play. So I don't think it's it was as egregious as what everybody started to say, um, and I was part of that. Like I said, I did I don't like the fact that I didn't get the whole story. Do I still think he could have handled it better? Absolutely, uh, we know that. Just like Joey, he could have done it differently. Is it outright as ugly as it was last year when he just ripped through there? No, there was some reason for it. The car was damaged, and there was a history of going in there where running over cones and being putting people in a, in a risk way. So I think that needs to be looked at, but that goes back to the driver has built a reputation. Uh, so, you know, part of that comes with it. It's Kyle Busch. Oh, automatically your first thought is, Oh, it's Kyle Busch being Kyle Busch. So that, that's kind of what drags you in to begin with is of who it is. That's true, um, and and you're right. Last year he got in trouble for knocking down those cones when he went into the track, and he saw the cones. He said he saw the cones. He didn't want to repeat the same mistake that he made last year, so he stopped the car. He couldn't turn it anyway. Uh, he stopped and got out of his car and walked uh, back to his hauler uh, to change clothes. He went to the medical center and then came out and talked to the media. Um, there is precedent for this. Other drivers have had similar situations where their car uh, could not move any further. They stopped it. There was a picture of uh, Alex Bowman's car on Pitt Road where he got out of the car and did exactly the same thing. He couldn't go any further. Uh, he got out of the car and he walked to the to the hauler and did exactly the same thing. Um, so I don't think Kyle Bush did anything that was um, uh, out of the ordinary, uh, if you will. I've seen other drivers uh, have cars that could not go any further, and that's what they did. Um, I, I do think that there was a rush to judgment just based on the fact that it was Kyle Bush, uh, that uh, somehow he was being uh, – 
Kyle Bush, for lack of a better way of saying that. Because, again, Kyle Bush has a reputation that precedes him. And, <laughs> excuse me, a lot of times uh, fans on Twitter would do jump to conclusions. We had a situation last week where there were some conclusions that were drawn on Teresa Earnhardt, and she never did <laughs> what everybody was accusing her of doing. Um, and yet she took a lot of the blame for something that never happened. So we do know that fans have a tendency to do that. Um, and I think Kyle Bush is the victim of that this week with the car situation. Um, so <clears throat> I, I think that we do need to just kind of take some time, wait for all the facts to come out uh, before we kind of jump conclusion uh, with what uh, drivers are doing or not doing on the track. So I, I know, Mike, you have a different perspective on this, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, here comes my different perspective. Yes, uh, <laughs> I do think that this uh, this merits a penalty for a couple reasons. Uh, objectively, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing the rule book here, but drivers are not allowed to get out of their car without first being seen by track safety officials. On if the car the is unable to continue. Well, he was still on, on the, the track. track. He was on the hot. He was he on was the on hot side road. of the pit wall. Right, but he was on okay. the hot side of pit road. That's still considered the hot part of the racetrack. Uh, that's that, you're right. That's a bit of a gray area. That's your interpretation. However, <laughs> well, we'll see what NASCAR says here to the, tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, okay. The other bit of it uh, we've talked about before uh, in previous shows, where it's on NASCAR's radar, where they want to streamline the caution process and eliminate unnecessary time under caution. Well, Kyle Busch abandoning his car on, on a hot side of pit road caused them to have to add two or three extra laps under yellow to get that car out of the way uh, without having the driver around there to do anything about it. I don't know that he could have moved it further or not, or they could have told him to continue down pit road and move it into his pit stall so at least it's out of the way of other cars who were going to be on pit road. But him abandoning the car on the hot side of pit road and just basically throwing the keys in the bushes and walking away, that forced NASCAR's hand to extend caution, the caution period for several more laps with pit road closed, which is the direct opposite of one of NASCAR's stated intentions of improving efficiency under caution. So I think that's two reasons that this needs a pretty good look at it. And we talked about before with we're not talking about a rookie driver who might not know better. We're talking about Kyle Busch. He's been in the series for 15-plus years. He has no excuse to say, well, I didn't know any better. He knows better. This is not the first, probably not the last, temper tantrum that Kyle Busch has had, and he does what he thinks is reasonable at the time in his fit of anger, whether it's abandoning the car on the hot side of pit road or showing the social finger to the NASCAR official holding him in his pit stall for a penalty or wrecking Ron Hornaday under caution or blasting in through a row of cones into pit road at about 25, 30 miles an hour. All those seem reasonable to Kyle Busch at that time. And he has an explanation for it at that time. And 
as soon as any kind of objectivity and examination comes down to it, no, it's just Kyle Bush being an immature jerk. And that has to be taken into, into account here. If he didn't have such a long history of doing things like this, it'd be a different story. But at this point, it's a story of a guy who just has not gotten the message and needs to get another rendition of the message read to him. And I think that is where we're at right now with regards to this one. Yes, maybe there could be some construing to say, oh, well, he was, he was on pit road. He's still on the hot side of the racetrack. There's, you can't just go wandering around out there. You can't just park equipment out there because it's obstructing his other competitors and the officials on the track from doing what they need to do. And I think that's what's going to end up needing to be addressed. Okay, Jake. Yeah, Mike does have a point there of the fact that there is a history with him, and we know that, not just from a fan perspective, but then, and I'll let Sharon, I'll let you do your your spiel, (laughs) that there's a pattern, okay? So, yeah, maybe it does, had it been somebody, it's their first time, that verbal warning, hey, you made a mistake, okay? This one was a repeat or similar to a repeat um, attitude issue. I don't agree with you, Mike, though, that the caution was lengthened because of that. If the car is broke there, it doesn't matter if the driver's with the car or not. they got to hook it up. they got to tow it off. So I don't think that affected time spent with the pit road closed. You're not going to have them, even if he'd have pulled it into his pit stall, you're not going to leave that car sit there. We'd have 15 cars sitting there throughout a race. They're not going to leave them sitting on pit road because that's part of the strategy when it comes to if the car's out of the race, you have an open pit stall either in front of you or behind you. So they're not going to let the car sit there, do the pit stops, and then go get it. Um, that's not going to happen. So I don't think that affected the actual length of the caution. Um, and, and like I said from the beginning, yes, Kyle could have handled it better. There is no doubt about that. We can always do things better than what we've done. Um, if they give him a fine for, as you said, of, of leaving the car until he was checked, uh, I understand that if there is something of, hey, we've had this talk before of your actions and just in general, maybe, maybe so, maybe not, uh, that'll be up to them. Um, but I do understand where you're saying that he he is one that has had his warnings. <laughs> um, it has happened before he's had his warnings, so maybe it is time to elevate it. Yeah, I have to agree with Jay. Imagine if Kyle Bush had stayed in his car, which you're recommending he should have done. Uh, it would not have shortened <laughs> the caution. They still would have had to move the car because the car wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, so I don't see where that lengthened the caution, him getting out of the car. If, if he had sat in the car, the caution would have had to have been the same length of time. Um, so I, I, I also agree that Kyle Busch does have a history. You're absolutely right about that. He's had inappropriate behavior uh, in the past and over a number of years. <clears throat> NASCAR is going to have to look at that and make that decision, um, uh, whether or not they, they think it's warranted of a penalty. Um, and if it is, I don't think it's going to be a huge penalty simply because if if you look at what his thinking was, he didn't want to – he couldn't go anywhere to begin with. But even if he could go somewhere, he didn't – and he saw the cones. 
he did not want to be put in that position again either because he was fired. Kyle is in a no-win situation, if you get my point here. He, he went in last year, took his car back to the garage, and was fine because he was being a hothead. And he did create a very unsafe situation. From his point of view, the safer thing to do was to let the car stay where it was and go take care of his business. Uh, could he have handled it differently? Yeah, he maybe could have. He could have sat in his car, but it would not have shortened the caution. Um, and he could have waited, but we would have had to wait that much longer probably um, for him to get to the infield care center to be seen and to uh, talk to the media. I, I think that is going to look at the bigger picture here and make their decision based on that. So, Mike, your thoughts? I don't think they're going to suspend him or they, they need to really throw the book at him, L3 penalty style or anything like that, Adam. But I think there definitely needs to be a message, not just to Kyle Bush, but also reiterate to the drivers that there's a right and a wrong way to end your race. And just leaving the car is not the right way to do it. The, the proper way that this should have been handled, and this is what needs to be communicated to not just Kyle Bush, but to the entire field, is – if Kyle Busch stops where he is, okay, that's fine. You wait in the car until either uh, a safety team or a NASCAR official gets there. Hey, where do you want me to put the car? Official says, I want you to drive it over there. I can't drive it over there. It's broke. Okay, now you can get out of the car. That's all it takes. And it would have taken an extra minute or two before he, he got out of the car and stormed off. And it would have avoided uh, any of this discussion. It would have avoided the bad optics. It would have avoided adding fuel to the Kyle Bush is just a, you know, a, a temper tantrum waiting to happen kind of thing. But here we are. So having that moment of clarity and maturity, here's Kyle Bush at 30. I think he just turned 37 last week and he's still not there. He's got, he's still got some maturity issues in terms of how to, he's, he's great when things are going well for him. But when things mm -hmm. are not going his way, he still doesn't handle them very well. And I think this is a good example that can be used to not just, you know, guide Kyle Busch back in the right direction, but also inform the rest of the drivers about what is and is not acceptable, even if your car is unable to continue in the race. Okay. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next hot topic then. Uh, Jay? Oh, is that second time around already? Okay. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yep, that was the second time right. around. Let me scroll. Did you have something more you here. wanted to say? Yeah, a little bit. My, and this is directly to Mike, uh, not a personal attack, but a food for thought. Would that not be the same as somebody that uh, doesn't get all the information and even after they do still wants to hate on somebody <laughs> for no reason? That's funny because that's that thing that went there. through my mind. <laughs> Wait, are you referring to the Wicked Witch of the South? I will hate yeah. her every single time I have the opportunity, and I will spit before I say that woman's name. Oh, but you want such Kyle Bush to but you. Yeah, exactly. You want Kyle Bush to grow up and show maturity when he just got wrecked out of a race, not of his doing. And I don't know that he blamed Brad Keselowski. Brad had a bad day. It just happened in front of Kyle. I think he's just frustrated. He's worried, you know, whether he says he's not or not, not he's worried about next year with the sponsorship and his contract. 
you know, they got a lot going on. I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, I, I'm not going to say he couldn't have handled it better, just like Joey Logano could have handled Absolutely. his race win better. But you got to give them, understand the situation they're under. So I just wanted to throw that out there of everybody has room to grow with their maturity level. <laughs> Look, I can't even say her name because she'll swoop in on her broom and throw a cease and desist at me. So we'll just leave it at that. Well, let's 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 go to another topic. Then, what do you think about Noah yeah, Gregson possibly driving this. for Stuart Haas Racing? Um, what is it? Beyond the Flag has one up as a dark horse replacement at Stuart Haas Racing, and Noah Gregson was possibly named, or was named as a okay. possibility. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I saw the article Jay, Jay posted. Uh, Beyond the flag, I don't know that they have any kind of insider information that says that this is anything other than just speculation. Um, so if, there, if there's any kind of – obviously, we know nothing's been announced yet, but if there's anything more than just speculation, please let me know. But with that said, I don't see it anywhere near out of the realm of possibilities. Right now, Noah Gregson drives for Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. Obviously, Junior Motorsports is a Chevy development team that primarily leads to Hendrick Motorsports. I, barring anything like a, a, an injury, unforeseen illness, something catastrophic and unforeseen like that, I don't think the Hendrick Motorsports driver lineup is going to change probably in the next decade. I think the four drivers that Hendrick Motorsports has in the Cup Series right now are probably the four best assembled drivers on any four-car team, maybe in NASCAR history. So I really don't think that anybody's sitting on the hot seat over at Hendrick right now with the chance of Noah Gregson swooping in and bumping them out of a ride. So that means that if Noah Gregson is to go to the Cup Series, he's got to go somewhere. He's made a few part-time starts for Beard Motorsports in the 62, as well as Colleague Racing in the 16 car. I think he's got a couple more coming later this season as well with Colleague. Um, a full-time Colleague ride might be a possibility, but the Stuart Haas Racing thing is intriguing. We already know that Eric Amarola is retiring out of the 10 car at the end of this year, so that's one opening. We've already started kind of penciling in Ryan Priest into that 10 car, knowing that Priest is kind of the backup driver for Stuart Haas, been doing a lot of development testing and uh, has raced a few races with a Stuart Haas affiliated workwear number 15. So we know Priest is strongly affiliated with Stuart Haas Racing. We've kind of penciled him as a foregone conclusion, but even if Priest does end up in the 10 car, Kevin Harvick has what? maybe one or two seasons left before he's going to retire. He's been talking openly about retiring for the past several years. So the fact that Kevin Harvick is, we don't know for sure that Kevin Harvick is coming back for the 2023 season. We do know his contract runs through the end of the 2023 season, but that hasn't stopped drivers from retiring before the end of their contract either. So, we assume Kevin Harvick may return for the 2023 season. We don't know that for sure. But either way, that four car will be open here sooner rather than later, if not next year, probably the year after. So who is in Ford's development pipeline? Well, in the Xfinity series, not many. You've got Riley Herbst driving the 98 car. I don't think any reasonable person would say Riley is ready to move up to the Cup Series. He's taken that 98 car backwards from the way literally and figuratively for when Chase Briscoe was driving the car. Um, Cole Custer 
and Chase Briscoe have both driven Stuart Haas prepared Xfinity cars and generally run up front if not win with those cars. So it's not a question of whether SHR can still make a fast Xfinity car. That kind of says that Riley Herbst probably is not on a Cup Series trajectory. Who else is a Ford development driver in the Xfinity Series? Joe Graff Jr., I know he's a friend of the show, but I don't think he's ready to move up to the Cup Series yet. So that's not really a whole lot. Of, and Penske shut down their Xfinity operation, at least for the time being. So there's not really a whole lot of Ford development in the Xfinity Series. Haley Deegan was a, a prospect coming up in the Ford pipeline, but she's really hit the wall in the Truck Series, uh, figuratively, sometimes literally. But figuratively speaking, she has not had the progression that we were hoping that we would see out of her coming into her third full-time season. I'm sorry, second full-time season in the Truck Series. She's not there yet. Zane Smith, hot and cold, but she, he also kind of exposes Haley Deegan because he's running similar equipment to her but doing much better. Zane Smith may be a possibility, but he's only running the truck series. I don't know if he's ready to move up to the cup series. That comes back to who can Stuart Haas get? Well, now we've got a Chevy development driver with nowhere to go in a Chevy. Noah Gregson is a very good candidate that might end up, if not in the 10 car at Stuart Haas, possibly as a candidate for the four car in the next season or two. Okay. Uh, I think it is very important, and I know you did this, Mike, but I would just want to say this is all speculation. There is no uh, firm information here. But you're right. This is something that is certainly possible. Um, Gregson right now is racing with Colleague Racing uh, via Beard Motorsports in some select races. Uh, so I kind of saw him going that direction for Colic to kind of invest in him uh, moving forward. But I suppose Stuart Haas Racing is a possibility. Um, uh, I, I just think that there are other possibilities as well. Now, uh, this weekend, I just want to point out that Riley Earps came home with the top three finish. He finished third one of the more difficult tracks in the, in the series. Um, so I do see him starting to show some signs of improvement. I would like to see him stay in the Xfinity series uh, for another year. I don't think he's ready to move up to Cup Series just yet. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, he is, he's gone through a learning curve, just like a lot of drivers have to go through a learning not all drivers are as talented as uh, Chase Briscoe is. And Chase Briscoe is an extraordinarily talented race car driver, in my estimation. Um, and I think that John uh, Riley Herbst has done his due diligence in uh, trying to learn uh, the craft of, of his racing in the Xfinity Series. And it is a big jump from the Chuck Series to the Xfinity Series. Look at Sheldon Creek. Sheldon Creed hasn't been uh, burning up any uh, 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 race wins this season either in the Xfinity Series. So I don't see him as the only driver uh, that it takes uh, a little bit of time. Cal Weatherman had a 12th place finish uh, this week. So I see some good things from him um, after kind of a slow start in the series. So. Um, they are investing in Riley Earps. Uh, I will say Riley Earps and Noah Gregson 
have been buddies for a long, long time. They both come from Las Vegas. Uh, they both have raced the same circuits uh, for a number of years. And it would be kind of cool to see Riley Herbst and uh, Noah Gregson together in the same team. But I kind of see Noah Gregson on a trajectory with Colleg Racing. Uh, now, if he was offered the ride uh, by Stuart Haas Racing, uh, you know, maybe he would jump at that opportunity. Um, but Colleg is the one that's really investing in him at this stage of the game. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Um, but uh, you're right. There's a, there's a number of scenarios. Uh, drivers still have some developing to do, but I do think that we have a lot of drivers uh, with a lot of potential. John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, finally had a win. He's another driver that can be hot and cold sometimes. Uh, he got a win this week at Darlington. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, to me, this is all speculation at this point. And beyond the flag, they're, they're noted for that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you're 100% right. It is just a, a, an article about the possibility of it. But they make some key points. Mike made a key point. Gregson's been with Junior Motorsports, which leads to Hendrick Motorsports. And taking Mike's no uh, blinders, away, blinders away there, you can't argue that. They got a solid four-car team driver lineup, and it's looking to be that way for the future. So where does that leave Noah? He has been with Colleg Racing, another Chevrolet team, um, but we've seen it in the past. Harrison Burton was Toyota all along, all of a sudden makes the jump to the Wood Brothers Ford. Exactly. You know, there is Ford doesn't have that developmental program, Mike mentioned, as deep as Toyota starting first off, but then you run into that. There's only limited spots at the top that they may lose them or give up on them early in the case of Eric Jones, uh, Daniel Suarez. So where, do, where does that lead? I do think Colleg Racing uh, needs to take a look at it and maybe try and secure that um, as far as them going to a full-time, second full-time ride next year. We've seen the Gregson make a couple of limited starts, both with Colleg Racing and then Sharon mentioned Beard Motorsports in uh, alliance with them at the Super Speedways. And Gregson's done an okay job. Uh, I'm not going to say great, um, but... The um, the thing I look at is the sponsorship ties, and this is what Beyond the Flag hit on. Bass Pro Shops has ties to Stuart Haas Racing uh, from the past, and I personally think that's what's going to come into play when you talk about him or, and we're only looking at two possibilities, Riley Herbst and Noah Gregson. Riley Herbst having the monster sponsorship. Where does that come into play? The sponsorship is the deal. And unfortunately, I hate to say this because I think he has the talent. Ryan Priest is one that doesn't carry a sponsorship tie with him. And, and Mike was right. We kind of had him penciled in. It, it, I mean, it seemed logical. He was their backup driver. There's a seat open next year. He's getting starts this year and does the best in them. But he might be the one on the outside if he doesn't bring sponsorship with him, which I think Noah Gregson and Riley Herbst do. So we'll have to see, but it's an intriguing possibility. It is indeed. Mike? 
Jay brings up a really good point with the sponsorship end of it. Uh, Noah Gregson, we know, is deeply uh, connected with Bass Pro Shops. I think he does a really good job representing them. He's usually really good about giving them shout-outs and interviews, and uh, just generally represents their brand very well. And generally, Noah Gregson's been really good about representing all of his sponsors, not just Bass Pro in the interview. So I think he would be an attractive option, not just for his current sponsor lineup, but I think marketing him as a driver to bring in more partners I think would be beneficial as well. Uh, Riley Herbst with the Monster Sponsorship, I don't know if that would be a benefit or a detriment to him going into the Cup Series because, remember, Monster already has a car that they sponsor in the Cup Series with Kurt Busch in the 45 or 2311. Um, I know that they Monster still sponsors two cars on different teams in the Xfinity Series, so that's not out of the realm of possibility. But the financial commitment of the Cup Series is a much different game. So I'm not sure what Monster would want to do. Then again, my understanding, and this is not anything official, this is just kind of the way I've been led to understand the way the Monster sponsorship deal goes, is the Herps family owns, they get their money through a, uh, a convenience and gas station chain that they own out west. And... The Monster sponsorship isn't so much that Monster Energy is cutting a check to uh, Stuart Haas Racing or Riley Herbst to run the race car. It's that Monster is basically not charging uh, the Herbst stores, Herbstone stores, for the Monster product that they sell in the store as kind of a a mutually beneficial sponsorship arrangement. So, yes, it's, it's still a sponsorship deal. However, it's not your traditional, they're writing a check to the race team kind of a deal. It's the Perps family is, they, they have a, a beneficial business arrangement that leads to the sponsorship deal. So how attractive that is to a different team like Stuart Haas at the cup level, I don't know, but I do know it's a little bit different from a traditional sponsorship model. So it's probably something that they're going to consider. Um, as far as what that means for Noah Gregson, I don't know. Uh, Sharon, you're absolutely right. He definitely looks like a prospect for Colleague Racing. Colleague Racing, again, a up-and-coming Chevy team, so if Chevy wants to keep their hands on Noah Gregson. Colleague Racing, a, a full-time, a second full-time car with Colleague Racing next year may be where Noah Gregson ends up at, and I think that's probably right now, it's probably a more likely prospect, but it's an interesting consideration of him leaving Chevrolet to go to Stuart Haas or a different manufacturer, knowing that the traditional path of Hendrick Motorsports is probably not going to be open to him leaving junior motorsports. Yeah. And that's just it. This is all speculation. We really don't know. It's very possible uh, with Ryan Priest being announced as the backup driver for Stuart Haas racing, they may have already kind of, uh, shook hands on a deal for him to take that number 10 car next season. Um, I don't think Raleigh Herbst is ready to jump into the number 10 car by any means. Uh, so I really think it's going to be Ryan Priest in that number 10 car next year. And uh, Noah Gregson uh, continuing up the pipeline with uh, the college racing and their affiliates. So that's, that's why I think this is almost a mute conversation. Uh, but nothing is a given. Uh, we can speculate all kinds of different scenarios here, uh, but uh, nothing really is a given. Um, like I say, Noah could be given uh, the opportunity to take that number 10 next year, and he might jump at that opportunity. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> Jay? 
the the only other thing I want to say there is is that when we're talking about sponsorship ties, and and it's one of those I wonder if if that's in the thought process if a if a sponsorship stays tied to a manufacturer. Talking about Monster, they they sponsor with Kurt Busch. He came from Chevy to Toyota, um, and then Ty Gibbs with it is in Toyota, but they also have it on a Ford. If Bass Pro Shops were to look at, they have it on Chevy already, as they are uh, also affiliated with uh, Austin Dillon at the at the Cup Series level. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of spreading spreading it out. If you have your brand on a Chevy, a Toyota, and a Ford, your chances of being represented in Victory Lane or running good talked about reigns over three manufacturers. So that's a tough one. If they stay tied to Chevrolet. Like you said, of college racing is kind of in line, and I think it would be a boost. We've seen them building that team um, this year with the two-car team, one full-time with Justin Haley, who had a good run this past weekend. Um, so there's at one track. The other, that possibility of it being Stuart Haas. And like I said, I would think it does come down to between Ryan Priest, if, like you said, he's kind of been penciled in there. Um, we feel it's been implied he's the backup driver this year, getting some starts. That was kind of the, the process. But if sponsorship money comes in, that tends to overrule what, what, what happens. So we'll have to wait and see. I, like I said, I found it a rather interesting article and to think about the possibility, especially then they tied it back to Harrison Burton going from Toyota to Ford um, last year into this year. So we know it can happen. Yep. Yep, and and you never know. There could be an agreement with Chevy on that Bass Pro Shop thing too, where they don't go to another sponsor or to another uh, manufacturer. Uh, they they might be tied directly to Chevy. So again, there's a they lot sponsor of Martin Truex. Oh, that's right. They, they sponsor, sponsor Martin Truex in the nineteen. That's a good point, Mark. See, I'd forgotten about that. That's that's where I say if they were to go to Ford, they'd have their sponsorship on one of every manufacturer, and their mm-hmm. odds of being represented increase a, th- a third. Yeah, that's a good point. I, thanks. Thank you for the correction. I should know that too, MTJ. Okay, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are at the top of the hour, so I think we're going to have to call an end to this one. Uh, let's go ahead and go around the table, and, and Mike, we'll start with you. Sure. It's Mike underscore is L on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Got an article live. I think it went live late last week, uh, kind of recounting my experience at Talladega Super Speedway uh, this past, I guess, two weeks ago now. Uh, if you haven't read the article, here's the cliff notes. Go to Talladega. If you don't believe me, you need to go to <laughs> Talladega. Please. I'm begging you on my hands and knees with tears in my eyes. You need to go to Talladega. It is that good of a show. If you are a fan of NASCAR racing, or even if you're just a fan of watching some really interesting people, you got to go to Talladega. I can't recommend it strongly enough. Okay. Jay. Well, we've disagreed a little bit on the show, so we'll end it with agreeing. I would agree with Mike. You get the opportunity to go to Talladega. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Well, I'll, I'll throw my name in the bucket. Go to Talladega, as I've always heard. It's a great track to go to. It should be on everybody's bucket list, but certainly on my bucket list. And uh, I would agree, Mike, uh, 
Mike's article is still up at Banff Racing. So in the search box, just put Ban at the track and uh, it'll come up. Okay, uh, I am Banff Racing site on Twitter, Banff Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including BanffRacing.com, where we have our player for our radio broadcast, as well as our podcast. A uh, big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to hear what we have to say. And to our fan for racing crew, uh, Mike uh, Orzel, Jay Huseman, uh, thank you for being here tonight. And Sal Sagala, our co-host for the first 90 minutes here tonight. Um, I want to mention that we did have Dylan Zampa on the show. He's racing at Irwindale Speedway on uh, May the 21st. He's currently fourth in the uh, Pro Late Model Series in the SRL Southwest Touring Series. And uh, it was a really cool interview because he's racing with his brother uh, in the same series. And his dad is the crew chief. And uh, he talked about how he takes kind of a part-time role on uh, as crew chief because his dad is trying to crew chief for both cars. So it's a cool interview. Uh, I would really suggest everybody go back and listen. Um, And then uh, we will be back here, Jay, on Thursday night uh, for our preview show of the Kansas races uh, that are coming up this weekend. Then uh, you'll be back with me again on Monday night uh, for the show on Monday night. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, This Thursday... Uh, I'm still working on a guest for this Thursday and for Monday night. So, uh, hey, maybe between you and I, we can get that worked out uh, before Thursday or or Monday. Um, Okay, with that, I guess we're ready to call it a night, guys. All right, good night, everybody. Talk to you Thursday. Good night, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.